think tank. Lock them in a room, slip a couple of pizzas under the door. You know, work wonders. General Morgan, Hasek Davian, Sudeten, 12 July, 3050. You are listening to Wolfnet Radio, the show that uses your suggestions to make things happen. I'll be your host this evening, Matthew Bloodbath Barons. Co-hosts, Andrew, get it done. Roll. Welcome back to the show. Good, good evening, gentlemen and ladies. Yeah. Oh, ladies. Aaron, the butcher's back crawl. Welcome back to the show. Good evening, persons. Uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas C. Raven Cooper couldn't uh, make it with us tonight. Um, however, Luke, I need more responses. Dirks is with us tonight. Welcome back to the show. Why isn't anybody talking to me? Responses. On? <laughs> what do you need responses to? Just everything. Oh, just everything? You just blanketing questions out there, just hoping something sticks? Just just talk to me, people. Just talk to me. <laughs> talk to me. Fine. Challenge, challenge accepted. Yes, tonight, <laughs> this evening, we have uh, Michael Ciravelli, author of new novel, Grey Watch Protocol, as well as contributor to Shrapnel, holder of the Pride Blood name. Active on the convention circuit, and I hear you also have an active New York actor and director position. Oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate being here. Sierra Vela, right? You betcha. There you go. Give me Sierra Vela. <laughs> <laughs> he got excited with and... the Italian. He just... <laughs> <laughs> hey, yes. Rivadercho. <laughs> it again. Really let it sing, you know? Let me hear the music of it. Mamma mia. And uh fiance upcoming, uh Amy Delaney. She has made the paint and take at Gen Con circuit successful. Uh we really appreciate all of your uh paint schemes and any way you can help us better painters welcome to the show glad to be here you've made it you're on wolfnet radio podcast you guys are good for the rest of your careers yeah first things first though first things first though congratulations yeah uh, you guys were you guys announced your Yes, indeed. We actually announced our uh, engagement at Gen Con uh, last year, which was very nice. Uh, it wasn't Gen Con. It was not. I talked to you about it at Gen Con. Was Man, it? Oh, I don't even know. You are know. already going downhill. <laughs> oh, your first fight. Unplugged your first fight See, she's already setting you straight, man. Oh, she's been doing that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I got her a week ago. I submitted a story, and she read it first, because she always does, and got thrown back on my desk. Too tropey. <laughs> so, too too, too tropey. tropey? Oh, yeah. Yes. They get slapped down. They get slapped down. <laughs> Bring this back. <laughs> That's great. So, You're better Michael. than this. You're better than this. <laughs> so, Michael... It's better than she's saying, no, you're not better than this here. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I'm here. Michael, how did you get into Battletech? Oh, 
I got into BattleTech. I thought I killed that. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, into BattleTech. I went to a convention when I was uh, about 12. Uh, my father took me. My father uh, actually was a traveling salesman, so I didn't get to see him much for my younger life. He was working a lot of the time, but he was supporting us, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, he took us to the last uh, day of a uh, little convention that was nearly three quarters of the way over. And uh, a gentleman who was sitting uh, at a FASA booth with a ripped uh, <laughs> banner handed me uh, a little uh, metal javelin in a uh, dime baggie and said, "This is uh, th I've got this for you free. Do you want to learn how to play this game? And I said, yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> a dime bag on every corner? <laughs> Sling in the battle tech. I like it. First All is free. Uh, that was exactly what I keep thinking every time. First ace is free. That's awesome. I've still got that javelin sitting in my uh, travel case right there. But then I uh, came for the big, I love the big stompy mechs, but I love the political thrillers. I loved the writing, Michael Stackpole, Blaine, all these wonderful people creating magnificent stories in this immersive universe. And I knew I wanted to be a part of this. Well, that's awesome. Do you have any favorites when it comes to authors? I mean, the favorite. Uh, the favorite? I, I couldn't give you a favorite. They're, they're all magnificent, and I know them all personally, so I'm absolutely not throwing myself under the bus like that. <laughs> Michael Stackpole! <clears throat> Michael Stackpole! Oh. We're, we're going to have to oh. cry harder. Sorry, guys. I had something in my throat there. Uh. Correct answer was <laughs> Smetzer, Smetzer or Philip Lee, because they do all of the the handing out of stories. <laughs> hey, very good point. I love I love Jason. I love Phil. Phil has been uh, the man who's been working with me the most, making me a much better writer. I deeply appreciate that. Ever bite the hand that feeds you? Never. <laughs> oh, then Lauren Coleman. <clears throat> Lauren Coleman. <laughs> Did I mention one of my favorite people in the world is John Helpers? Just <laughs> there you go. I was waiting. I was waiting for that name to come up. <laughs> you can't kind of mention often enough. I think that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> I cross him off one of these days too when he get him on the show. Oh, you and... are you are one of the newer kids on the block for. I mean, being on the inside authoring. How has it been so far? It has been magnificent. I have been uh, treated like gold. I've really been learning from a great bunch of people. All of the various authors have been so responsive. I was uh, happy to sit in on a few meetings at the last Gen Con. I got to meet some of the authors for the first time that I've only read about. And uh, it was wonderful being at the table right there. I'm very excited to be playing in that universe. Not to mention the faith that some people have had in me. I, we just mentioned John. We just mentioned Phil. Lauren, of course, letting me play in the sandbox. Randall. And, of course... A name that has to be mentioned all the time, Brent Evans. I came in during the uh, Brent era uh, when he was line uh -huh. developer, and, and he uh, really did give me my first shot right here. I, I would not be anything if not for him. He's got a lot of energy. I like watching him jump around at the Masters of Minions. <laughs> it's just the facial expressions of like, I'm going to kill you, and it's going to be fun. I'm going to smile about it. And it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> we like Brent, too. So, 
And you sit around that table and you see all those faces. Does, does any of them stick out or give you like the, the stink eye occasionally? Oh, I, I never get the stink eye. I, uh, it's <laughs> one of those things that, but you're, you're looking around and I'm going, the person next to me has 30 books to their name across four <laughs> different genres. I'm looking at Michael Stackpole, who's written some of the, not just the Battlestech stuff I love, the X-Wing novels, some of the just classics uh of science fiction and science fantasy it's a beautiful thing but you're all you always get that little bit of imposter syndrome you're looking around and going I i'm really here <laughs> how did i get here <laughs> nobody, nobody nobody look at me i'm not, I'm not really supposed to be here <laughs> that, would be, how, uh, that would be very interesting so so we talked with uh we had Spencer on the show here oh, a couple podcasts ago now and he was talking about, um, you know, avenues and opportunities for new writers for shrapnel. Um, what was what what got you started, and and how did you how did you get into the on the team, if you will, and be able to start writing stories for the BattleTech universe? I. Uh, diligence and uh, repeatedly bugging those in power, it seemed like. Uh, but no, I uh, had, a, uh, back during the Battle Corps era, I had submitted a few uh, short stories. Uh, none of them were ever picked, which, <laughs> which is fair. I was very early in my writing career at the time. But uh, when John Helfers took over as fiction editor, I sat down with him. I uh, told him I was very, very interested in uh, being a part of the Battletech universe, being able to help uh, and to support growing the fiction. That's been one of his, that was one of his major points. That was one of Brent's major focuses uh, during his tenure was to have the fiction driving the story again. And I was very excited to be able to do that. Uh, after sitting down with them, we had a meeting at uh, a major convention uh, and they told me, oh, we've got this up upcoming project. We'd like you to try that out, which would be Greywatch Protocol and its uh, follow-up, which will be uh, Paid in Blood. Uh, or uh, yep, Paid in Blood. And that is, uh, they gave me that for the first time. While that was all happened, while I was waiting for edits to come back, uh, the shrapnel opportunity came up. Uh, John had liked what he'd seen already and put me in touch with Phil. And I started writing the uh, sh some short stories and some... Uh, article pitches there and one or two of them seem to have uh gotten a little bit of a nice response so i'm excited to now be going forward with my writing in battletech fantastic which shrapnel stories are yours uh, for... i've got uh secrets of this i'm doing the secrets of the sphere which is the kind of conspiracy theory going back to the uh fun articles in the various uh, interstellar expeditions books Ooh. so uh, we're coming up with some uh, fun, interesting stories that could be true. Maybe they're true. <laughs> yeah. We like conspiracy theories. Oh, yes. What, is that kind of like the, the blood and word of Blake? Maybe. I like the blood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Um, I got a question for you, Michael. Certainly. Uh, I got. Well, I'm gonna go with two. Um, <clears throat> so you answered my first one. That did you get get to choose to write, um, Grey Watch Protocol? And that sounds like it was kind of given to you. 
Oh, no, that one was given to me right there. I'm a huge Republic fan, so I really wanted to do something that would have the nice connection, but I never would have had the uh, whatever word we're going to use right there. <laughs> That's good <laughs> Good for the open for the open air right yeah, there. I, I would never have said, oh, I, I, I'm brave enough to do the Highlanders <laughs> while Blaine is still alive. Yeah, I, I, uh, well, yep. I mean, un unless, unless your name's Lauren, I guess no one's really... Raising their hand for Capellans, either are they? <laughs> you would be, you would be surprised. There are a few authors who would jump at that in an instant. Uh, yeah, I, really? I hope they'll get. Okay. Uh, yeah, I hope we're gonna. You're gonna be seeing a little bit more coming down their way right now, especially as we move forward and you get to see the inner sphere as a whole right now. We everybody's been very focused on the Republic for a while, which I love. I'm a big Republic fan, but very quickly, I'm sure you're going to be seeing they've. I've, there's some great authors out there who are starting to spread out, and so you can see the entire universe again. So that's that's something that we've talked about on the podcast before, and with all of the things that are in Battletech, everyone seems to be able to find a home. What is it about the Republic that, as you identify or say, that's my faction? I've always loved the uh, i was a big fan of the knights of the, the inner sphere i love the romanticism of that the beauty of uh trying to help others and even in BattleTech, those moments when you're trying to create something great i was a star league fan uh i enjoy building something and having something uh nice that uh an area where you can show the stories of those who are battling on the outskirts and the peace and the political intrigues of the interior. Uh, you get a lot of that from a different, a lot of different fa facets. I just loved, I felt very, very blessed that I saw the Republic from the very beginning to the end right there uh, that we've been looking at. And it's just been a faction that's been close to my heart. Fair. Um, so <clears throat> along those lines, so the Compellons have always been kind of the bad guy or the evil faction in the inner sphere and it's slowly mm -hmm. turning and it's kind of the same thing with the Falcons. <clears throat> and I'm wondering when you write about the Capellans in this one, are you going at it from like a standpoint of, okay, they kind of are the, the or, you know, are they the bad guys or are they just another faction that wants to dominate everyone, which everyone does, but is it, are you putting a different twist? Cause I, I read into it a different twist on the Capellans in this book where it's like they had a bad history with being you know being commanded by crazy people but it seems like now they're starting to weed those crazy people out and they actually have good commanders and stuff like that but is it is it still kind of are they generally considered the bad guys of the inner sphere it always going to depend on who you talk to right there. I've, I've heard that quite often. And uh, some of the people who've responded in reviews and emails that I've gotten right there, oh, uh, aren't the Capellans the bad guys? I'm uh, I'm old school of that plan of no one's true. Most vil true villains don't think of themselves as the villains of the piece. I had the beautiful option in Greywatch Protocol, especially in this first half right here, to show some of the groups and some of the units where these are noble people trying to do their their best for the country and the uh, nation the stellar nation that has adopted them right there you, and you've got the uh, mccarran's armored cavalry 
they stood by and uh, supported the Capellans, and it's worked out very, very well for them. That's a beautiful thing. But yeah, no, I'm. You really want to give everyone else that subtle, that depth, and that dimension because sometimes fighting against a villain who's just plain evil, it's a lot of fun. But at that same point, too. I came into this for the political intrigue. I came into this for the complicated nature. You look at some of the Capellan leaders, and some of them were a little crazy, and some of them have been written very, very differently by different authors. But then you see some of the Laos themselves. Just some of these people have got true goals and really want to support their nation and their people. And it, that's an, that, there's a certain nobility to that. Yeah. When you kind of hedged your bets by ta using the Mac in a warrior house, I think. Oh, uh, to a point that worked out really, really well. But the, the funny thing about that was with how this particular project came together, I found out what units I could use very, very late in the process. So that was actually uh, pretty funny for me. First and foremost, I had no idea I would be, especially for the Capellans, uh, using two units that had female commanding officers. I had no idea about that up until halfway through the outline. So oh, <laughs> that wow. Was a, that, that was quite a bit of a surprise right there. And I actually uh, got a uh, note from Brent at that point because one of my major characters uh, was also a woman. And since I did not know that at the time, we were very, very, <laughs> it was a very female-heavy story. <laughs> yeah, which isn't and a bad thing. I, Oh, not at all. I needed to take a left turn, though, just to make sure that there's always balance, <laughs> that we're uh, covering everything right there. Because we want uh, of, to always have a very diverse group in any well-written piece of literature right there. And I want to bring in people from a lot of different perspectives, and so we can get a lot of different feelings from others. Yeah, totally agree. I especially appreciated, like, on the dropship and, like, Chapter 4 when um, they started getting ready for the dinner and seeing, you know, what different uniforms and commanders were showing up and their personality development and what they've achieved or if they had any failures. That was very interesting to see that dynamic on how they interacted with each other. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's Maeve, Tara, Lindsay, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Who's the other one? Um, uh, either We've one. got uh, Contrella. Contrella, there you go. That's the other one I was thinking of. But oh, yeah. it was, yeah, it was it, it was great. I, I, all the characters were very very fleshed out. If if I got to I got to know what each character is kind of about their their base um, personalities and stuff like that. And it was extremely well done. And I appreciate that. That's one of the hardest things for some of these novella-length pieces uh, to really be able, especially with some of the new characters or characters that we don't know very well, to be able to flesh them out enough to the point where you're going to care about them, where there's there's a weight and gravitas to what you're looking at right there. Because these you want to be bound to their goals, to their uh, achievements, and to their failures. What do I have right here? Why do you care about this character? If you can't care about them, that makes uh, for a tough read. Oh, especially when you see, like, the overall um, commanders, like, meeting back at the HPG network up on top, you know, after 
after the battles have kind of fell apart or or have succeeded in some aspects and degraded in some others and to see them play off each other of what are your motives out here because i'm seeing a whole different aspect of what's going on between you know what the commander initially says and then changes their mind or well okay that's fine if we're going to achieve some and some others are going to get pretty rough or we're going to be lagging behind here's what we can do to change now and those are very interesting um and and there's a juxtaposition of how that develops with rising and falling actions and where they have these internal and external conflicts i i personally really liked um jing hu the, the housemaster um he was a very different Capellan military leader. Um, more, he, he came across more like a, a fed son, almost, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a lot, along the lines of, of uh, Ridzik, right? If, if we remember Ridzik in the Tinkov Republic. Yes, indeed. Um, he the way he interacted with the commanders in the fact that he had an all-female staff in he seemed um very humble which is odd for me reading about a capellan <laughs> no especially the the housemaster right or, or you know the leader of all of the warrior houses um it was it was a very refreshing change to and 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 it really in in my opinion showcased um the the successes the compellents were having now it's because it seemed like they had really really good leadership all of a sudden and that was that was fun to read and it was it it took me it, it was a surprise and it was a good surprise Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you've also hit on a really important point that I was hoping would come across too. the Capellans going back to our earlier Capellan conversation right there. They've learned from some of their mistakes. They're not the one dimensional villains that uh, some have said in the past. They've taken their time. They've built up their infrastructure. They've uh, found the allies that they need. Uh, and that they were they were looking for, and they survived the jihad. They su- survived everything that occurred, <laughs> the uh, Capellan Crusades with the Republic. They're still holding on as they have for hundreds of years, yeah. and they are and, really coming. Uh, they're in a very strong position. And the interesting thing about the Capellans and the jihad too was they they went about their war and the fighting with Word of Blake very differently than the other houses did um what's her toes Callie Liao she had the what was it the what was it the white tigers that was based off of uh, a Manny Domini she had enhanced cybernetic warriors and and they had kind of their own uh Manny Domini shadow division within themselves um it was it was a thinking back over the jihad the Capellans went about it very, very differently. And I think it also shows in their success that they're having now. Um, I think they came out of it stronger than everybody else did. Don't try to out-death commando the Capellans. 
that's probably a good way to put it. <laughs> and the other thing too that that showed in this and and in their successes that they've been having is the uh, partnership with the magistracy of Canopus, which I really like. I really like being able to see a periphery state having a stake and actually showing um, that they can affect the inner sphere as a whole for good for good um that that partnership has has been really fun to see come together not to mention you've got to you've got to love that warning for everyone who looks back into the history of BattleTech, you never turn your back on the Capella Nation. You never turn your back on the Periphery Nations. It will end poorly for you. <laughs> yeah, you need- but it also makes sense with with their past successes and their failures that they've learned from their new leadership. It makes sense that they're one of the three that are uh, a major threat to the Republic, and especially near the end of the book, you know where. Uh, the Northwind Highlanders and Tara's Tara is saying, you know, maybe this is where we break the back of the Capellan so they can't even make it to Terra. Um, and that kind of got everybody rejuvenated, like, oh, we're not just fighting for Northwind, we're fighting for Terra as well, and if we can do whatever we can to make it easier fight for Terra, then that we have to do that. So um that that shed a new light on how big of a battle Northwind actually was in the in the timeline. It's it's a definitive moment in time for the Republic right here, and it's how, how it will go will have effects throughout the sphere. Yeah, and you know so, something else that came up. Who knows? <laughs> oh come on! You're supposed to give us something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so during it, so we had we had uh, WNRP. We had a little Gen Con happy hour, and in a lot of ways, <laughs> I wish we would have recorded that because that was such a great conversation. And one of the things that came up there that that I had said to you that I was so happy to see was with the Kickstarter coming out and all the new Intersphere mechs being redone, the Gray Watch. Um, and using all of the Succession War um, hardware and intermingling it with um, all of the new stuff and showing, I mean, granted, the pilots that they had there were exceptional, to, to say the least. But it was fun to see that old hardware. And you talk about, you know, uh, Grandpa Casey, get, he said, yeah, I had ERs in there, but I gave them up because... You know, I know how to fight with this mech and somebody needed the upgrades or somebody needed a replacement or something. So I, I brought everything back to, to standard. That's That was yeah. what I really enjoyed reading about that in the book. Um, and I just thank you for showing that really doesn't matter the tech that you have. It's it's how you, how you use it. Well, that was one of the big messages that I really... Everything I write has some sort of secret message in there, and that was a big one for me. I've seen... I I play with some people who've been playing since literally the Battle Droids era, and uh, it's one of those things that I've got 
a few close friends who nothing exists for them after the fourth succession war, which I understand. And everyone's got their era and everyone's got what they are passionate about. But I really wanted to focus upon it doesn't matter what you're piloting. It doesn't matter the tech. You are mech warriors. You are part of this magnificent Battletech universe, and you are the ones who are going to have the effect. You may be in the running the oldest Warhammer with <laughs> single heat sinks, and you can only fire one PPC at a time. That's fine, but you can still beat nearly anything on the table. It won't necessarily be easy, but you can, you can, it's, you're still in the battle deck. You can, you can make your own destiny. What I loved about that was especially with pairing that with the clan invasion and with all the new mechs coming out and this and that, you gave basically a very large group of people the, the ability to intermix 3145 stuff and force secession war stuff to, you know, to paint, to get there. Like, I'm going to do the Grey Watch and the 12th Hastati uh, regulars or whatever they're called. Um, you can, they can paint that as one unit and put that on the board. That's what I loved about that. Yes, indeed. And it would make for such a cool, um, like, turning point uh, board game or a, a game on the on the board. It's like, well, guess what? Uh, now uh, uh, Greywatch gets an off-board movement and uh, gets to show up after everyone else has moved kind of a thing. Um, that would be super cool to see on the board. And I think you're going to be seeing more of that, too. Who knows what the future is going to hold right there, but the materials redemption program got rid of a lot of mechs during the republic era that's fine but as we've seen from quite a few of the various different factions have been put out as is has been always the case there's still a lot of old tech out there there's still things sitting back in the uh, old <laughs> castle brian that's uh, ready to come out and i would be very surprised especially with the kickstarter if there weren't uh, more marauders on the way more uh, <laughs> warhammers to be seen which is saying is not everybody was so truthful with the Republic. <laughs> oh, I, I seem to remember in one of the source books that they, they said it too. And no one was being completely truthful. We understand oh, no. that. It's just a matter of who's doing it the most. The Capellans <laughs> did a significant amount of hiding in the basement right yeah. there. Yeah. They all learned from Comstar. They know what what's going on right here. Well, and I mean, no one, no one was going to give up all of their toys. I mean... This is this is BattleTech. It is a game of warfare, and you know we kind of we can't ha have everybody uh, rolling in in combines and tractors. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's not as much fun as, as blowing somebody's head off with an AC twenty, right? We did I have see. the agromech era. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, I, we should give a shout out. It looks like uh, did Tommy join us? Yeah, I I got on. Yeah, right. Tommy. Hey. Mr. Silency Raven himself. I got a left field. Uh, Thomas, talk is cheap. Kruger, welcome to the show again. <laughs> hey, thanks. <laughs> Our resident Sorry. Jade Falcon. Yeah. Now, Tommy, you had an interesting question. You got your show notes up? Nope, I don't. All right. So here's a here's a uh, question from Tommy to you, Michael. Okay. What are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on the direction? storyline is taking and Tommy specifically wants to know if you have any inside info on the Jade Falcons. 
Uh, I like, I'm very excited for the direction that the uh, storyline and the fiction is taking right there. We've got some fantastic new authors uh, who are moving forward on some of the novellas and the interesting novels that are going to be coming out to show that this next era of Battletech. Also, Shrapnel has been a magnificent opportunity for people to, and and Shrapnel and the Kickstarter, uh, to go back and visit some of the eras that have not been uh, quite fully fleshed out yet or still have a lot of stories to be told, which is a wonderful thing. So I'm very excited about all of that. And it's it's a beautiful thing coming from a writer and for a fan of the Battletech universe. As for the Jade Falcons, uh, I, of course, can say absolutely nothing. But but I I hold my blood name with great pride in all senses Uh, of the term right there. Pun Uh, pun intended. Pun pun fully intended. Uh, (laughs) And I hope they... uh, do as well as they have in the past. And I, I, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them with you. <laughs> There's a few of us that are. Well, no wonder <laughs> you could write the Capellans so well. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a soft spot oh. for the bad guys. Oh, I, I, I can't even call the Jade Falcons. Well, right now you can. They are the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right now you can have some really good uh, uh, <laughs> thoughts about that. But also, the Jade Falcons have gotten some beautiful writing time over the last five years slash decade right here. Oh, oh yeah. There, there, has been, there has been some fun left turns on that one, even during the Dark Age era. And that's, I'm very excited with what's happened. And I'm very excited to see what comes from here. So I want to dive a little bit into, so is the next book, um, Paid in Blood, mm-hmm. is that continuing the story of Greywatch Protocol, or is that a different story? Nope, that is part two of uh, what I call the Highlander Covenant. Okay. Uh, it was, originally it was supposed to be two short novellas uh, of 40,000 words. Uh, that didn't work out so well. I uh, get a little wordy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it, oh yeah so that's uh not the only battle tech author who does that by the way uh but, <laughs> oh but, we know uh, oh yes <laughs> not naming any names we got that one uh but no that's going to be part two of the story right there uh now that we've got the uh another faction coming into play right now uh the tensions rise and we're uh continuing on to the march to terra and oh, everything that uh, that leads right here so it's i'm very excited for the uh second portion of the book i think it's going to wrap up some fun storylines from the beginning or i certainly hope it will and uh i think it's going to be a nice capstone to the highlander story i wonder who this new faction could be hmm hmm <laughs> gee whiz <laughs> indeed um, but what I wanted to ask was, so we know what happens on Northwind basically because of uh, Shattered Fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HPG gets blown up. Uh, Draconis loses uh, interest, basically run, turns on the Compellans, and the Compellans are just left there for you know to fight to fight it out with the Northwind Highlanders. Um, are did you put any Easter eggs into how that HPG gets blown up or not? Well, 
the fun thing I will say right <laughs> here Because I think is, I found one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure I can. I'm sure a few Easter eggs will show up. The, the thing you do need to remember, though, which is, once again, fiction is driving the storyline, which is a wonderful thing, but they're still trying to balance everything in the source books when the, sometimes the source books will come out before the novels themselves. Uh, one of the interesting things is the writing team and the fiction team uh for uh, that handles Battletech has given us a lot of freedom. We can get you, you might know where the story ends up, but there are a lot of left turns and there's a lot of inroads that may surprise people. Yeah, and, and a lot, it'll I'm, get to, it, it comes in a fun way. I'm loving the fact that it is, it is kind of a, a fun, it's, it's different because we know the outcome, but reading the stories about how it happened is a hundred times better. Um, it is the whole, uh-oh, Capellans invaded Northwind, and it was just like a two little, two little line or a little paragraph in Shattered Fortress. But then to be able to read all the people and how it became and the conversations and the battles and stuff, I love the fact of that that is happening. Um, it was always a pet peeve of mine that there was like, well, that sounds like a pretty big uh, thing for just a paragraph in a, in a, in a source book. And I, I love the fact that Catalyst and the authors and everything are going back and doing that. Now, am I am I mistaken? Is it didn't it used to be that fiction came out first and then the source books came out second based on the storyline? Is that that, that I, is kind of how I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off right there. No, no, uh, no. Uh, that is uh, has been true at times in the past the balance the, uh, that uh needs to be maintained though is when you're making a source book you've got to deal with the art and you've got to plan it out according to your release schedule and everything else with uh the fiction you've got a little bit more freedom there so occasionally one will come out a lot sooner than the others great watch protocol when i was uh when it was originally pitched shattered fortress hadn't come out yet uh, so there were a lot of bits and pieces I didn't understand right there. You look at something like the Jihad era, when you had source books coming out every three, mo uh, three months or so, that was fast outpacing the fiction itself. And that makes it for a very, very delicate balance. You might be working on a project and then a new source book comes out and, oh, wait, <laughs> let me go back to this. Let me verify that this is correct. So being able to really uh, let the fiction, uh, the two teams work very closely together, as they always have, is a wonderful thing. But now they're planning everything. Now that they've got a specific fiction editor uh, working with the grand team, which is a wonderful thing. John Helfer's does a magnificent job. He can keep everything going at the same time and releases make, uh, can make even better connections. Yeah. Uh, one quick question. How hard is it to write a Scottish accent? <laughs> oh, incredibly, uh, incredibly hard. Not to mention, I, I am going to admit uh, the the fact that I was doing Grey Watch Protocol leaked uh, shortly before Gen Con to some people. And uh, I was at Gen Con. I was uh, working as a Catalyst demo agent. And suddenly I, the person I was talking to looked over my shoulder and said, uh oh, the Scottish contingent's coming over. And I felt an arm on my shoulder, and they were uh, telling me how I should come visit Scotland and uh, get the first -hand <laughs> knowledge of things. I do need to take them up on that at some point. Get, that is wonderful. Sounds like a perfect honeymoon destination. 
That was good, Amy. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, I thought you did a really good job. Um, it, it didn't take me long to, in my head, go right back to you know Braveheart and just like, oh yeah, that's how it sounds. Um, it was uh, it was very uh, easy transition into how Seamus talks and stuff like that. So. And you've got to also see how many generations they've been away. And not to mention Northwind being its own planet right now. You see some areas where it slips in during moments of uh, more heated passion. And then others, there's uh, it's a little more laid back. Yeah, it, and you you even mentioned it in the book. It's like, oh, uh, now that she should... I think it was when Seamus met Maeve. Is that when it happened? Where he's like... And all of a sudden, he slipped into his, his Scottish oh, accent yeah. or something. I thought that was kind of clever, because it does happen, I think, with people who were from that area, or any area that has a strong accent, and then they move away, and then they go and meet people from home, and they're like, all of a sudden, the accent comes right back. So I thought that was very, very clever and well-written. Thank you. I wouldn't know anything about that. I've never had an accent, so. <laughs> yeah, Okay. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't, sh- doesn't show or play at all. Yeah, no. No, a- Amy's known me from before. She's I, she's gone back and seen my parents. The, the accent does slip in. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have a little experience with that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, is it easier to write a novella or a novel? Oh, it and is which is your so favorite? Much- I love writing novels, and it is so hard to write, write novellas. <laughs> uh, that was actually a conversation I had with John Helfers when we were talking about all of this. He goes to all the big uh, major uh, writing conventions, and he uh, keeps close track of how novels uh, are put together, and he's getting all this new information. And we had the wonderful conversation of, oh, when Michael, when you were young, your a novel was 120,000 words. Now, uh, according to a lot of the major publishers, a novel's 80,000 words. So it's a very, wow. very different feel. Their uh, pricing is a bigger item. A lot of authors uh, for major uh, publishing companies get paid by the word or have contracts that work in that way. So it makes them more money to have a shorter, tighter story. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I love the joy of a novella to really play in the sandbox for uh, as long as you want to right there if given the opportunity i would probably blow through all of my word <laughs> deadlines <laughs> uh quite uh, quite easily but w- when you're looking at a novella you need to write uh get the same story that you had in your mind for a full novel but it has to be a lot tighter there's got to be a lot of sometimes yeah. you need to cut some characters sometimes you need to cut some entire scenes to make sure that everything moves forward at the speed and uh energy that you're looking for well, one thing I've been noticing, because we've gotten a lot of novellas by a lot mm-hmm. of really good authors, and you can you can almost feel the, the tightening of it. It's like, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to have to up my game a little bit and really get this character in two or three pages um, emotionally secure, personality defined, and, and goals uh, oriented. And I don't know if it if it's coming across better or not, but I've been really, really enjoying the novellas. 
I'm glad we've been getting a lot of uh, great feedback about that. There's a lot of people who are very passionate about the novellas. A lot of people who love that they're getting so much fiction at such a, at a nice clip right there, which is a wonderful thing. If you look at the last four months, we've had, what, four novellas drop right there? Five I, at this point? I, I think. don't think we ex expected yeah. that much fiction this soon. Like, <laughs> we were all waiting for, like, okay, there was one novella. All right, six months later, we'll get another one. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, they're like, okay, here's another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you're you. That's one of the beautiful things. And once again, I bring that back to this new era of uh, Battletech focus that is absolutely beautiful. But the fiction team is really moving forward. You've got a lot in the pipeline and a lot of exciting things coming down the pipe. But to that, I mean, it's it's fun getting all the fiction. I, I'm not complaining about the fiction at all. The thing, the thing for me is, is that you has an organization then catalyst they have to be set up to to basically continue to carry this because all of a sudden now we've got three four four or five plots all kind of halfway baked that you know there's a lot of people waiting to see well how the hell is this going to turn out <laughs> well now we got to sit around and wait in in today's world of fast food and instant gratification um i can i can i can see where that might be uh could be troublesome right down the line that if something happens or something gets gummed up or you know all of a sudden processing stops happening because it, if something bad can happen during a production or a process to try and put something out it always seems to slap Catalyst in the face. <laughs> and it's, it's you know, that would be my only concern, worry at this point. But, I mean, I it is that you were right. Getting all of this fiction and seeing all of the things happening again is fantastic. And it's also, I, once again, I can't speak for Catalyst. Uh, you got a great team right over there. But uh, I own, in my own free time, a uh, small uh, card gaming and board gaming company, Clarion Game Studios, and we've been hit by the same sort of stuff. I've had a, oh, I finished Kickstarter two years ago for a uh, major line right there. We put out the game, but with COVID and everything we were looking at right here, we legitimately, uh, it slowed us down. I've got the games on the boat right now, but I'm still waiting for them to arrive. But so you've got on production ends, especially when you're looking at miniatures and game pieces, uh, that's a that's a difficult breakdown that Catalyst and all the game companies need to battle right there. Not to mention, we also need to look at, and you raised a good point with the instant gratification and everything else you were uh, looking at, but also, I, I always like to go back to the Jihad era right there, just looking at it, when they were putting out so many source books, and they were putting out all of these items, to the point where I, as a huge fan, I couldn't even paint some of my miniatures fast enough to, this unit was doing something in the last... Uh, source book and then three months later they were dead <laughs> I, was half, I was halfway through painting them <laughs> no! come on you got you have a professional painter in the house i mean you guys should be able to whip those things out i mean in a couple weeks right we we like to say oh. you got jihad <laughs> yeah, you got jihad <laughs> uh, 
I'm on the same commission list right there. I gotta wait for everybody else to. Oh, you I, got I, no pull. That's yeah. That sucks, man. Yeah, you put three people down on the wait list right now. So. Oh my, that's awesome. <laughs> Every time I make a joke, I go down one space. So legitimately. <laughs> um. I, what I, another thing I want to—you mentioned that they're getting a lot more new authors, and you being one of the newer authors. But is is Catalyst opening up the catalog to some newer authors, and, and is that how they're kind of handling the flow of of steady stream of fiction, and that they're they're actually reaching out and getting new authors? Well, they—it uh, seems like they're very much focused on diversifying. They've always been very good at trying, uh, especially amongst other game companies, at trying to bring in new authors and new people for the projects. The biggest thing we need to look at is you've also got some of the huge name authors that you need to focus on their pieces. Some of which are the defining pieces of an era or an e of a year right there. So you need to give them all the support that they need. Plus uh, have the additional staffing necessary to help shepherd along some of these newer authors. So it's, it's a, uh, they really have been diversifying. They've been giving some wonderful new opportunities to some great new people. And it's lovely to see how they're uh, trying to expand and it's working out great for them. They're getting out more pieces of uh, fiction and they're being able to cover a few eras that they might not be able to. Uh, but at that same point, they're also giving new people the opportunity to tell the stories that they really want to tell and hopefully that people want to hear. If I'm going to use the power of the airways, uh, John, <coughs> Charles Gideon, <coughs> Charles Gideon. <coughs> He's been writing story. You've Give been writing some great this. stuff for us. Read, read, read my story. <laughs> read my story. <laughs> read my story. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it well, sounds well, like that, that's how it's got to be done in Cal. You just got to keep bombarding them. We've heard this uh, three times oh, yeah. now that you just got to keep sending oh, yeah. your stuff in and sending your stuff in. Send it. The slush pile is very important, not to mention, especially now with the shrapnel era right there. Uh, it may not be novel-length stuff they're looking at initially, but the submission guidelines are out there to the world. And sometimes you may get a call. You may not get. You may submit something right now. You may not get a call now. Who knows? Three months down the road, it happened to me. They might say, "Hey, I was going through the slush pile, and this actually seemed pretty interesting." Let's take a look at this. <laughs> well, I mean, look at uh, what was what was Blaine's book, uh, Malice and Jesus, uh, Redemption and Malice, Redemption and Malice, Redemption and Malice. That was thirteen pages. Yeah, and it was a that was a fantastic story. It's pretty good. So, I mean, it's I, I like the fact that the opportunity for people to dip their toe is, is there, and it feels like um, people are being really encouraged to do that. And that's the beautiful thing about the Battletech universe is we've had such major sweeping things that any little thing that you may want to go back and revisit from any point of view, like Charles wrote a story that was, I mean, it was fantastic. There wasn't a mech involved, but the story just felt so great in the Battletech universe because it was a point of view that we hadn't, I hadn't read yet. And it was a lot of fun. So, with that, with that opportunity of shrapnel, um, if you've got a, if you think you have a story you want to say, I mean, get it on paper and get it in front of somebody, right? Oh yeah, the most important thing. Write, write, write until it's done. 
then you, then you can have all the fun of, of editing and everything else. But tell your story. The BattleTech universe, and this is one of the strongest things that I will always say, is the BattleTech universe is your universe. Now, a lot of people take that and run in the wrong direction, but no, you are you are a part of that universe. You help to create that universe, and every battle, tabletop battle you enjoy, every Mega Mech game you play, all of that goes towards making for a stronger universe, and a, a universe that I think is really important for all of us. Agreed. I wouldn't want John Helfer's job, though. I don't think I would want that one. <laughs> He, he is a hero right there. He, he's <laughs> got to keep all of this together. He needs to make some tough decisions, and he needs to make the big gambles right there. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of plates spinning. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no, I've seen very few people in this world who could handle it better than he can. Don't tell him that. I didn't send that out on the airwaves. I can, no, I can edit it out. <laughs> I can edit oh, we can edit it. We can edit it. <laughs> Timestamp. Don't uh, mention actually, John Helfer's. No, 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 no. no. We're, that doesn't get edited unless he's going to give us something. <laughs> it's a give and take, buddy. It's a give and take. <laughs> I, I would give you some toss out some conspiracy theories, but I can't do that anymore. I actually was uh, I was planning out a future uh, the Secrets of the Sphere article at two o'clock in the morning one day when all of us artists and uh, when all of us writers are up at that point and I'm starting to flesh it out on a piece of paper and I'm going, wait a second, this could be true. I, I, I need to reach out to Ray. Am I, am I crawling a little too close to what might be actually happening here? That's awesome. <laughs> it's a horrifying moment for a writer. <laughs> My nonsense, is this true? <laughs> and, then, and then they just send you the outline. Yep. <laughs> it, it is. Oh, yeah. Now it is. It's canon. Deal with it. Well, speaking of uh, gambling and names, Michael, you got any uh, shout outs you want to throw out there? Uh, in regards to, uh, I think I mentioned most of my, my great heroes right there Lauren Coleman, uh, Randall Bills. Brent Evans, my hero. Uh, Your fiance. John Helpers. <coughs> Your fiance. My beloved fiance, Amy Delaney, who yep. will be the, the more important part of this uh, whole story. Yeah, okay. And, uh, oh, thank you. And our beloved three cats. So, Ooh, what are the cats' the names? <laughs> oh, Amy, you want to take this one? We have Tuxberius Nova <laughs> and Chetta Carita. And Princess Waffles Peregrine. Wow. <laughs> and what color combination are they? Uh, Tuxberius is a tuxedo cat. The other two are brown and tabbies. Yeah. Tuxberius. How are, how are those names not written into the fiction, Michael? <laughs> I think John would give me a little bit of a funny uh, look right there on that. <laughs> yeah, but that would be worth it because now everybody's in on it. Those, oh, sound, yeah. those sound like dropship names. That there I can you handle. Go. Yes, that there I There you go. <laughs> Especially with uh, Republic. That's definitely Republic of the Sphere. Oh, 100%. Name. Well, if I can get away with doing Tuxperia's Nova Cat in a Nova Cat story, I think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we will all smile. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, there's a leopard class coming. In. Is that a cat on this? Yeah, it that is. looks like a cat. <laughs> He's carrying a giant bomb. <laughs> Meow. 
Well, Michael, well, you know, you gotta you gotta head out here in in a couple of minutes. But uh, on behalf of me, thank you for write, writing Go, Ghostwatch product Protocol. It was awesome, Bray. I loved it. Great watch. Great, Great watch. What did I say? Ghostwatch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all right though. I, can, I like that one too. I can make mistakes too. <laughs> but uh, no, man, it was an awesome read. I really enjoyed it. Michael, well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here. You know what's going to be really fun? Talking shit about him with his wife, his fiance. Exactly. We get to talk to your fiance without you around. Oh, great. I want to be hearing this all on the uh, podcast later. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be great. (laughs) Thank you, man. Have a good one, gentlemen and ladies. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Cirovelli. Cirovella. Cirovella. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. All right. I need another beer before we start talking to Amy. Or at least I do. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's go ahead. We're going we're to get some girl time. Commercial break. Commercial break. This month's WolfNet Radio Month in Battletech History, proudly given to us by Luke. Charles Gideon Dirks, do you buy Aries Games and Minis.com. On this episode of WolfNet History Briefs, people giving away things they don't own as gifts and using fine dinnerware to insult each other. Hello, WolfNet, and welcome to this installment of WolfNet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech timeline. On a personal note, this is the 12th consecutive month of History Briefs. That's right, a whole year. In light of this milestone, I would like to thank everyone who has shown their support of this endeavor. I am humbled and overjoyed. Thank you all. With that out of the way, this is Gideon. Let's get to it. Terra was not always the center of aggression. Long before Devlin Stone's coalition fought the word of Blake for the planet, or Blakus took it from Comstar before that, even before the clans raced to claim it as a prize, Terra was a beacon of peace at the center of the war-torn inner sphere. So much so, that on the 20th of August, 3028, Hans Davian, first prince of the Federated Sons, and Melissa Steiner, heir to the Archon's throne of the Lyran Commonwealth, used it as the ideal location for their destination wedding. The festivities leading up to the big day included everything one might expect. An assassination attempt, thrown swords, sworn blood oaths, and the discovery of hundreds of lost tech battle mechs. If this doesn't sound like any wedding you've been to, don't worry. This is simply what happens when you invite the rich and powerful from across the inner sphere to share the same planet. You may wonder why the leaders of the Free Worlds League, Capellan Confederation, and Draconis Combine would attend such an event. Frankly, I believe they saw it as an opportunity to gather intelligence on their enemies they simply could not pass up. And with the heads of the Federated Sons and Lyran Commonwealth obviously preoccupied, It was an opportunity to relax and enjoy a moment before the merger of the two successor states led to the unavoidable wars, which were expected to begin the following year. And what about the Steiners and Davians? It may seem peculiar to invite families who your ancestors have been warring with for hundreds of years to one of the most important days of your life. I would agree with that, except this is Hans Davian we're speaking of. Likely one of the greatest strategists the Inner Sphere has known since Alexander Kerensky led the SLDF on their exodus. And for him, sharing his wedding day with people he wanted to destroy was only a part of a plan. Hans's plan began in earnest six years earlier when he and Archon Katrina Steiner signed the FedCom Accords, 
the Accords laid out plans for the gradual incorporation of the two states, finalizing with the marriage of Hans and Katrina's daughter Melissa, who wasn't even a teenager yet. Their children would be the first sole rulers of the joint nations. Not one to let an opportunity pass him by, Hans set schemes into motion to strike back at his nation's enemies. Two years before the wedding, the armed forces of the Federated Sons executed the first Operation Galahad, which was a large-scale military game along the Sons' borders with the Capellan Confederation and the Draconis Combine. These war games were initially viewed as a pre-invasion staging by the other nations, but no attack came. The following year, the Fed Sons again held the war games, and this time the Lyrans held their own war games at the same time, called Operation Thor. Again, the other nations of the Inner Sphere watched for an invasion which never materialized. Now, with his bride to be of age, no one predicted that Hans Davian would look to war, even though the war games were carrying on as they had previous years. With this in mind, the guests sat to eat the reception dinner. Each guest was served on plates individually painted to represent different planets from across the newly formed superpower. For many, it became a game to see which planet was hidden beneath their salad or entree. This changed when dessert was served. Before those in attendance could eat the final course, the bride and groom fed each other cake, as is custom in parts of the sphere. His bride promised him a regiment of battle max as a wedding gift, as she fed him a bite. It was then Hans's turn, and as a gift he uttered the now famous words, which set off the Fourth Succession War. I give you the Capellan Confederation, and revealed that hidden on the dessert plates were the worlds held by the Confederation. Maximilian Liao, the Chancellor of the Confederation, was well known for his paranoia and immediately lost all sense of decorum, snatching up every dessert dish he could, believing them to indicate the planets targeted by the newly formed FedCom. The display reportedly brought Hans a great deal of bliss. So much so, one might wonder where it may have ranked compared to everything else that happened that day. It is my belief that the elaborate scheme for declaring war on the Capellans served only one purpose to satisfy Hans's hubris. Now, before you Davian devotees sharpen your pitchforks and light your torches, I would point out that even the documents detailing the event, which were compiled for Hans himself, described him as smug as he made the declaration. It is often said that pride comes before the fall, but in this case Hans seemingly dodged karma. His son Victor, however, paid for the sins of the father. Nearly thirty years after the wedding, Sun Su Liao, grandson of Maximilian, allied with the Free Worlds League to launch surprise attacks and incite rebellions on the planets those nations had lost to the FedCom forces during the Fourth Succession War. These actions tore the Federated Commonwealth in half, physically and politically. Following the devastating losses, Victor Steiner Davian received a package directly from Sun Tzu. Inside, he found the same plates Hans once used to gloat over an enemy he had caught unaware. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who fail to learn from history are doomed. Hey, we're back from commercial. King tonight with Amy Delaney, the play paint painting awesome person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the painting awesome person. Yes, that is my official title now. That should be your new uh, website. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the awesome painting person. Yep. yep. That's terrible. We should redo that. No, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Amy. 
So I understand you get paid money to paint people's miniatures. I do. How awesome of a job is that? It's it's pretty good. Doesn't pay all my bills so far, but it's good. Well, not yet. <laughs> After this podcast releases, just Katie bar the door. so what um do you have uh first of all let's get it out do you have an official website that you have all your stuff or i'm currently on facebook and instagram as minis by amelia um i post stuff i'm working on there some behind the scenes stuff of some photo shoots and some projects that i'm working on as well as some side art projects that are not necessarily minis, but Battletech-related things. Do you do art? Do you do miniatures and, and different things for a different genre than Battletech, or is that is Battletech primarily your your universe? I primarily do Battletech. I do. Have, do occasionally do some um, Dungeons and Dragons minis. Um, we have a local group that plays up here with us, so I do um, some of theirs. But it's mainly just BattleTech. Okay, excellent. What's uh, so I know if I'm not mistaken, I believe you uh, painted up Drew Bethard's uh, Crimson Langur in wolfnet colors uh what has been your favorite commission Hmm. my favorite one so far has been i actually did the uh, last gen con uh masters and minions i um was able to paint the mechs for john helfers and michael ciravella um, and those were both Greywatch X. They had the tartans and everything right there, and those were a little bit of a pain, especially <laughs> with the hand-painted tiny kilts on all of them. <laughs> how much they, cursing did How much cursing did you do doing that? It it it, it was a lot, especially <laughs> I had to fit all all of them in between Origins and Gen Con that year. Man, get all of those mechs done as well as um prepare for the paint and takes that year. Well, I'm on I'm on Minis <laughs> by Amelia Facebook page right now, and I'm looking at Casey or Seamus Casey's Marauder, and damn, <laughs> damn, that thing is awesome. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a I Marauder. Am, I'm, I believe it's a Marauder, not an awesome. <laughs> Didn't. Uh, I'm still super jealous that you have one of those Marauders because they that look the, so um, good. Yeah. yeah, new ones coming out. I was honored to get a 3D print of the um, mock-up of it for uh, specifically for MCON um, between Michael and John doing the Masters and Minions. It fit in with their stuff there, so I was able to get some extra x there how do you feel about the new miniatures do you do you like the lines do you like i know there's a lot of uh focus on cockpits the glass mm-hmm. and things like that 
do you, how do you feel about the new miniatures compared to what we've had and, and pros and cons? I, the new ones with the, um, the Kickstarter look amazing so far. Um, I mainly work with Iron Winds medals, m m minis, but I've been loving the, um, the new box set minis from last year. I have a decent sized stockpile of those. Um, it can't be as more, it can't I, be more than Andrew has. Nothing is more than Andrew has. <laughs> I think. What are you on your fiftieth box a game of Armored Combat box, Andrew? I've got seven of them. <laughs> at, at least yeah, Amy's have a chance of getting painted. Yeah. Fuck you guys! <laughs> <laughs> you broke it. Ding. <laughs> Sorry. I do have. I didn't even get the box sets. I was with um working with the Catalyst demo team. We used them for the paint and take last year at Gen Con. And there were some leftovers that I was able to um that weren't used during the class. Oh, they've been saved for other paint and take classes as they come up, but currently are in wait. a giant. Wait, 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 wait. You have you have the new miniatures at home that you're waiting to do paint takes with? These are the Game of Armored Combat mechs. Okay, I'm sorry. Paint takes. No, I don't, I don't have the new ones yet. I, got, I will do a paint and take at home. Just go ahead and send me one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, honest to God, Amy, I, if the uh, if Gen Con was actually going to happen and this, this whole ordeal didn't happen, I was honestly going to sign up for paint and take. Because I can't paint worth a crap. <laughs> That's not true, Tommy. I had Matt paint the miniatures for uh, for our uh, oh for our cadet. Uh, uh, cadet. Dragoons cadet. cadet game. I, I was like Matt, here you paint them. I'll say that I did it. <laughs> I'll say I did it. <laughs> you you get most of the paint on the minis. It's okay. <laughs> You base yeah, code them. Some colors on there, it's fine. <laughs> I'm good with mono paint schemes. Uh, so, Amy, uh, what, Amy how, how, go ahead. What what is a paint and take? So the Just. way we do it for um the demo team, I've done it for the last two years. Um, Dave Fanjoy from Camo Specs did it the first year, and I attended his class for that. So I got into running it. Um, the way that it is run is you get, um, each time slot is, um, traditionally a different mech, um, and in the class you go, we go over, um, a specific paint scheme, um, usually a solid color, um, one, so like blues, greens, reds, um, and you get the mech and as well as a little cheat sheet that has what colors were used during the paint and take as well as um you get taught how to do low lights highlights um different cockpit um lenses and how to um do some jeweling and um different techniques there oh you now, even, you even um, have videos of your cats on the facebook page yeah, <laughs> Amy, how many uh, how many uh, personnel do you usually have that come to the paint and take every year? 
It has been the last two years that it's been done. It was sold out very, very quickly. Um, we usually have 13 to 15 people attending the who uh, come to each session. And they probably have all various different um, skill level backgrounds and skill levels. Thank you, Tommy. Oh, yeah, so, we've had people who are we've had 10 year olds who are just doing their first uh, first miniature. And we've had people who are professional miniature painters who don't need who just want just came for the mech, basically. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I could certainly use a lot of a lot of practice and a lot of teaching and painting. I think I would probably like the crappier learner of painting, I think. So that's, so that's very interesting that you have very experienced painters come to your paint and take and you say it's for the mech. Do they also kind of just sit around and be like, hey, man, maybe do this? I mean, do they help other people around them or is it kind of uh, more selfish of a thing that they just want the mech? Very. Some just um, want or come looking for the specific mech. Um, but it's really the, or they're there to just do their own thing. Um only with the scheme to try and keep them very basic and customizable so you can do more intricate things for the more advanced painters and more back to the basics for the um for the newer beginner painters. Oh, okay. Try and be very flexible with um the amount of help that each person needs and see where everyone's at so you can get the the most out of the painting class. Very interesting. How many years? How many years have you been doing it now? Have you done it the last two? So, what kind years? of a color palette do you? Start I've with done that? the Gen Con oh. paint and take the last two years. Last year, um, it was myself and Dave Fanjoy, Fanjoy. Um, with the classes. Um, the year before that, I did all of the classes on my own, and the year before that, he was on his own. Okay, and that's and that's as long as it's been, right? I mean, I think they that was a new that was a new thing. It's only been for the past three Gen Cons. Okay, yep. They've done the paint and takes. Cool, Matt, you had a question. Sorry. Oh yeah, um, going back to that, uh, what kind of color palette do you start them with uh, during the event? It's usually it varies year to year. A year because I um to try and vary it up a little bit. Um, we've done uh, we've done Kellhounds, we've done um Davian Guard. Uh, first year was a lot of um Liao Max um paint mm. schemes there. <laughs> so it's really just the basic um usually with if they're doing um we did the like a blue scheme we have the a dark blue a a mid-tone blue and a light blue just so they have the three colors to um have all of the transition shades that they need so amy do you have any uh, favorite factions or color schemes you like to do more than others my favorite faction and my favorite color scheme do not exactly match up 
That's fine. That's totally fine. Well, all of my fashion stuff is mostly Iridani Light Horse. <laughs> but my I do a lot more weird non-canon schemes than I do the canon ones. I have a lot more pinks and rainbows and brighter colors than the than more of like the um camo print or um the canon schemes now recently we just saw a rainbow uh color pattern scheme and that was just fantastic mm -hmm. with the i mean kudos to you on that it's awesome especially teaching people how to do that yeah i'm looking at that right now that battle master is awesome yep and it's not an awesome what? it's a battle master but it looks awesome <laughs> So it's a stupendous battle master. So you've done, you you've had all kinds of different people at your table for the mm -hmm. paintings. What do you think are two? What do you think are the? I won't I won't put a number on it. But what are the two tech? What are the techniques that you think um, a person could practice that would make the most impact starting out? If you're if you're just new and you're starting to paint, or maybe you've painted a while, and uh, Tommy, I'll call you. He's, he he doesn't feel he can paint all that well. What yep. do you think? What do you think are some techniques that you would say for a painter that feels that way or new coming to the to the table? What techniques make the most impact for a miniature, and what should they practice? I think what the most um, helpful techniques for really anybody is getting the, um, the thin layers of paint so it's not glopped on there. Um, so you can still see all of the details and getting the depth of the miniature. Especially if you're an arm's length away on the table, you still want to be able to see all of the little details there, um, all of the panel lines. So getting the depth of paint and practicing layers or um getting extra um shades in there to to round out the miniature okay that's fair and would you recommend uh wet palettes to try to get that paint to thin out yep wet palettes are very good i have a foam one that i use um myself with some parchment paper uh, keeps the paints wet but really thinning down your paints um no matter what kind of paint that you are working with i know a lot of people who use the craft paints or um straight miniature paints um getting the thin the nice thin coats is going to take you longer but it's also going to look a lot better by the end yeah and just for anyone who's interested in doing this there are tons of videos on youtube about creating a do-it-yourself wet palette and <laughs> it's amazing what you can make a really good wet palette out of like scotch bright sponges and a, and a plastic container and some uh some foil uh, uh wax paper Work. is awesome parchment parchment paper, parchment paper. <laughs> Well, I, I've been using wax paper because I don't have parchment paper, but um, I, I should probably pick up some parchment paper. I got some extra if you need some. Do you? Awesome. Invest, invest the 198, much. Coach. Invest the 198. The 198? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a dollar ninety eight. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Bank accounts looking a little iffy these days. <laughs> um, any other uh, techniques? Just getting the um. What I generally do to practice um different um. But play around with play scheme of uh, with paint schemes. I work do um, just a separate piece of paper. Work out what I want to do, or I'll even take like um, copy pages off some of the technical readouts and sketch out what I want to do before and have a vague idea before going to the Mac. Um, just that th- that'll help cut down on layers, and there's a lot of um paint out now um like the contrast paints from citadel um those work very well to get a they're a nice easy way to get all of your layers in one paint i've done that as well myself for just even trying to figure out what to do for paint schemes and it helps out a lot just printing out mm-hmm. a image and and getting the colored pencils out or yep. even my kids like using crayons just going to town with us it's a lot of fun and it's very it, it helps you work out the quirks and the hard to reach places mm-hmm. in the corners and that and such like that already so i it's it's a great suggestion thank you yes yeah. especially now that they have that coloring book out that's exactly what I've used. I did a frozen themed mech. Um, I'm looking at it right now. One, yeah. I had the the page from the coloring book out and all of my colored pencils to. Well, get all, Amy, to, to, tell the story about that one because I think we talked about yeah. that at the happy hour. Um, yeah. You you were you were. I, I want you you tell tell the story about that. Yeah. So that one. Um. I was contacted for a commission for a few other mechs, um, as well as like, oh, this is really weird, but my daughter wants an Elsa mech. I'm like, yes. Get <laughs> <laughs> up my alley. Our very Find own Drew Bathers. Started it like the next day, because I already had the, the mech that I wanted <laughs> in, in stock in my inventory. Piles and piles of mechs. That that one was i got very much into that one and ended up doing a honor one to match the elsa one it's awesome i put stickers in the box <laughs> and it was yeah. i went all out for that one so that was that was uh, a commission from our very own uh, major drew brethards of uh, yep. of uh, first battalion um for his daughters and <laughs> The Shadowhawk Elsa has a cape, and it is Glitter awesome. Cape. It is absolutely awesome. And the Anna Griffin is spot on. It mm-hmm. looks so good. So. It's a very, very tiny paintbrush. <laughs> I'm yeah. really happy with, with how they came out. And I, I love yeah. the, the name of it, the Arendelle Royal Guard. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. The brush size of juice, that was like a quad zero. Quad zero? zero? Yeah, there's quad zero. There's a quad zero? Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. is that? Just a single hair? You close, damn near close to it. It's, it's <laughs> maybe two know. or three. I, I like think it'd be like an eyelash. Yeah. Jeepers, socks. 
that's what I used for the uh, Ana one is a quadruple zero paintbrush. Cheaper socks. Well, nice. it looks great. It it really does. <laughs> Been there. It's 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 tough, and you just got to have some patience and lean and stabilize your wrist. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to tell Bethards he'll have to uh, bring those for Masters and Minions next year at Gen Con. Yeah. <laughs> those would be great. Now, Amy, for painting some of those hard to hard to reach or hard to um, stabilize areas, do you use any like specific tools that aren't on the market that you've come up with your own, uh, like clamping or 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 anything you've found around the house to work the best? I generally use it is a wooden spool from a spool of like sewing thread oh, yeah. with some yeah. uh, blue tack on top. <laughs> In my mind. I have tried like the more professional ones, but this work it works out very well for me. I've had the same one for four going on four years now. Just replace the sticky tack on top once it stops sticking, but it's worked very well for me. Just have the extra couple inches to hold on. Do you do a lot of pinning or or repositioning and where you're you're basically scalping off uh, an arm and then pinning it back on i try not to mostly because i don't i really hate pinning or some some mechs where it really can't be avoided a lot of the uh tripod or quad oh, sure. mechs just need them in there for it to like stay together but i generally i do have the materials for it i have a little jeweler saw and the little pinning drill and and everything a lot of pliers tweezers and everything like that but i generally don't reposition stuff unless it's specifically requested sure do you get sick and tired of painting uh yellow and green mechs <laughs> i bet you do tommy <laughs> i try not to I try and vary what I paint. <laughs> I have a backlog, oh, a whiteboard with a backlog of ideas that I've had and go back and forth so I don't get the don't get burned out on any one specific scheme. Well, that's another question. Um, speaking of burnout, like how long can you sit at the table and, and continue to work on a miniature paint scheme before you start to get uh, burned out. I mean, I do too. I get tired. My eyes get um, stressed out a little ways, and then I gotta take and walk away from it. Come back to it. I mean, do you have like a, a schedule you keep to for like the day or like that? I don't really have a schedule. Um, I do. I usually work um for about hour and a half to uh two hours, sometimes longer if I'm like really into a pro really into like a specific one but um no you try and sit down at least or at least half an hour and just either get some pinning done or priming or um do some touch-ups on whatever i'm working on are you doing like several several um projects at the same time kind of shuffling them back and forth then yeah that's what i generally do um just so if i already have a 
scheme. Um, if it's if it's one I've done before, it's a lot more streamlined and getting a bunch of them done. Um, right on. Goes to like a brand new scheme that I haven't done before. There's a little bit more pre-work done before painting to get the the colors that I want to use and um what I want to do with each one. So one of my questions I had, Amy, was, uh, and it's very near and dear to my heart, what music do you listen to while painting? <laughs> I listen, I actually have Netflix up and usually watch um, speaking TV shows or I'll have just like instrumental classical music on. Um, just something that I'll have in the background that I don't necessarily need to like pay attention to and just have... Um, background noise there sometimes i do um listen to the podcast while i'm painting just to have it have it there and get all caught up with that slow <laughs> clap amy slow clap oh, yeah that that's we'll a trap question <laughs> she's been she's been listening and paying attention and you nailed it <laughs> is, is amy the first to mention that on the i show? think she's the first one that got it right yeah <laughs> so, so what would you what would you say amy to that person who's out there painting right now because i know you're not the only one who paints while listening to the show so what would you say to that person right now like what should they do don't don't screw up nice <laughs> don't drink the paint water oh there you go yeah. <laughs> oh that was a good one yeah there was one there was a comment on that today i saw it's awesome yeah. <laughs> like, have you cleaned out your brush lately? <laughs> you know, you have a paint a, a mini painter in the house when all the coffee mugs have not paint water written on them. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly. That was awesome. <laughs> I usually keep my paint water in a skull goblet for that exact reason. Ah, uh, damn! I'm not gonna drink out of the skull goblet. <laughs> I drink what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, this will be an odd question. Are you a a, a paintbrush licker? Oh no, <laughs> no, I don't. I usually do either like a small dip in the in, in the paint water and blot off some of the extra water. I don't really. I'm not really a brush licker. Okay. I Sounds like you're asking her if I, she licks windows. No, <laughs> it's, it's I. Every once in a while, I, I, I'll, hey, I'll, hey, lick, I, I'll, lick, the, I I'll lick the brush to get the point, and then and then go for it. It's just I don't know. Sometimes I do I, it. Sometimes I don't. I am a hundred percent a paintbrush licker. I, I do it I, once in a while. When I was younger. I was I was a window licker. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and I, moved, I haven't moved on to paintbrushes yet, but I will try. <laughs> this I've, explains so much. So much. You guys have been you guys have been eating paint all this time. <laughs> Well, I buy crappy paintbrushes, and it just seems like my own saliva gets the perfect point. <laughs> yeah, it's not the saliva; it's the tongue action. It, it would answer a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm glad you're getting straight to the point. <laughs> Amy, did you did you get a chance to uh, watch or partake with any of the Gen Con uh, paint videos or anything like that? Did you? tune in to any of them 
Yeah, I tuned I'm on I tuned into um most of the streams that um the Camel Specs guys did um for their mini painting stuff. Um they have a lot they have some nice stuff going on right now. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Kevin Dub right now. Uh god damn it, hit record next time, will you? There. I I've I've said my <laughs> <laughs> you know what we should do we should oh, get a sorry. bunch of these commission painters up and be like okay we're gonna have a wnrp contest and Paint off. each painter <laughs> gets a certain mech from the command uh star and whoever wins whoever wins will get a prize but you know we're gonna end up winning because we'll get all professionally painted mechs <laughs> <laughs> I saw where you were going with that yep, as, soon yep. as, you, as soon as you started going down it. It'll be a great prize. It'll be really fun. <laughs> Get a whole bunch of WNRP swag. <laughs> Is it because you need the butcher repainted? I, I do need the butcher repainted. <laughs> not not going to knock on the one that I have right now, but she's in, in Dragoon's colors and not WNRP colors, but that's okay. I have I have another Marauder too sitting on the shelf waiting for it right now, and he probably has four more in blisters. <laughs> probably not wrong. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about dragoons on this episode because I've been chastised enough on Discord and Facebook that please, dear God, don't talk about dragoons anymore. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, so Amy, um, you you said that you do some like uh, fantasy miniatures too. Do you? Do mechs require a different approach, in your in your opinion? Yes, I do. A with my um more fantasy um and miniatures, there's a lot more layering. There are actual faces that usually need to be painted instead of just like mech cockpit lenses. But I usually I I have a pretty different. Kind of a different technique be between the two. I have a for the fantasy and um side of mechs, I do a lot more layering, a lot more um, especially with like skin tones and everything like that. There's a lot more movement yep, yep. in them as opposed to um, especially with like clothing and all of that. Whereas with the Mechs, it is very, I tend to go for more of a pop style. So having the like sharp edge, edge highlights and more of the, um, hyper realistic, um, painting style for the, the mechs. Which would you say is harder to paint, uh, Fantasy live action uh, minis or battle mechs? Fantasy is more, I, I think, is harder for me. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, there's a lot more tiny, lot tiny more going on. And more, usually, all, all of my um, the fantasy ones that I do, they usually have capes and different boots and pockets and everything like that, where it's a lot more details um as opposed to a lot of the mechs especially a lot of the newer um ones have the bolder um panel so they're and have like the deeper panel lines 
to get more of the depth in there for those. So this is kind of a two-part question. Um, is it difficult to capture what a person wants when doing commission work if they kind of have an idea that they want, but then they leave it up to you to do it? And then part two of that is, have you ever had someone not like their commission piece? I've never had anyone say they didn't like their commission piece. <laughs> Good for you, community. Good for you. Because <laughs> yeah, they should shut Usually their if someone, Yeah. <laughs> Generally, if someone has a vague idea of what they want, um, as opposed to a canon scheme that they... um you have like a, a reference picture for or another mech that they like that um someone else did that they like usually um do the do out do a old paint scheme out on um on paper or on um either the coloring book page or or a um print off from one of the tro's to get the actual mech and just go in, in contact with them a lot and see if they like how it's going, what kind of specific details that they're looking for, and just checking in um, in each step of the process to make sure it's what they had envisioned. That's awesome. That's that's a level of um, inclusion that, I, I don't know, maybe all uh, commission artists do that, but it, that's awesome that you do that, that you kind of give them mock-ups and, and colored pictures and stuff and they go yep that's exactly what i want yeah especially like going back to the elsa mac he's like i have no idea what mac or what it's gonna look like but <laughs> go forth pick whatever you want well, that's should kinda, be a plastic mac because <laughs> that's that's gonna be liberating to to be able to just do what you want kind of a thing too yeah is painting plastic or metal easier or hard? which what's your preferred preference plastic or metal i go back and forth originally i preferred metal but that was before the new box sets this was like back in the um alpha strike box sets okay or the lance packs and stuff yeah the lance packs which are a bit lower quality in terms of detail um but i've really been liking the game of Ar armored combat max and doing more of those um as opposed to the metal ones well that's good news I do, I do go back and forth between everything well that's good news um anybody else got any questions for amy i, I just went to uh, amy's facebook page and i'm looking at that tartan on that marauder and oh my god God, Amy, how did you how did you do that? Oh, I was cursing at Michael for that scheme. <laughs> there was a lot of trial and error, a lot of using some more of my like specific mechs that I will like test colors on and how the scheme like lays out on that scale. Um some mechs that have like some damage on them or like they're missing an arm. I did a lot of trial and error with those in a very tiny paintbrush. Well, and the worst part is it's on a Marauder, so it's like, it's, yeah, it's not a very big flat surface. 
Yeah, it's very. It turned very out rounded. great, though. It yeah, turned thank out fantastic. You. Yeah, I don't know how you did that. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of late nights. <laughs> Think I finished them day before we left for Gen Con. <laughs> but the, I'm like, I'm gonna get all the other ones I need to get done first, <laughs> and then try and get these done. Well, I can tell you that the awesome uh, that matches the the Gray Watch Protocol uh, cover is. Just a spitting image of what's on the cover. It is, it's great. I don't know yeah. how you got it to be weathered and, and damaged and all that stuff, but the highlights and the, everything looks great. Thank you. I think I dropped it a few times. Oh, no. <laughs> but that's how you that's, that new weathering te- a new weathering technique. <laughs> Roll it down the hallway. That is the cats taking the max. I was just gonna say the let the cats play with it for a while. <laughs> they actually have one. Have one of the uh, Lance Pack. Um, Grasshoppers that they've been, they carry around <laughs> from room to room, and it has some, had a, a lot of battle damage on them. Nice. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You can use the teeth marks as laser blasts. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. that's excellent. Now I know what to do with mine. <laughs> Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> no, I think uh, Coach needs his to be uh, uh, like Sleeping Beauty of yeah. how big a drama queen <laughs> he is. Drama queen. Drama queen. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, I don't have any other questions, but Amy, if well, you want uh, Amy, do you have any show? Nope. Matt had one. Well, if Amy doesn't have uh, any time constraints or anything, we're going to kind of dive into some of the, the Battletech news and stuff like that. Amy, I could stick around. Matt Matt was wondering to know if you have any shout-outs, Amy. No. Fuck them all, right? Screw my fiancé. He already left, so... You'll have to wait until it gets posted. So when's the wedding? You don't even know yet. <laughs> Everything going on, it's just... That's true. It's it's a terrible yeah. time to try to put together stuff. Yep. I don't blame you there. Well, we wish well, you always all the, all the luck in the world. Thank Congratulations, man. That's awesome. You do, you do you know that I had? Did he say anything to you? Uh, I had a conversation with him at Gen Con last year. Because uh, yeah. I, I don't even I don't even know how we got on it, and it was, dude, don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it, and then I saw that it came out. I was like, that's awesome. That was that, that was. <laughs> Some of us think it's not fair that uh, your significant other shares the same passion that you have for BattleTech, but. Uh... Yeah, that's. I don't know how you get that lucky, but that's that's pretty good. It's just not. He kind of dragged me into it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can't complain though. My wife is really tolerant, so. <laughs> Mine just thinks that doesn't exist. I just go away for a little while and come back. <laughs> He's a grown ass man. He's gonna go play with his toys. Yeah, I'm gonna go play with my toys. 
<laughs> she made me she made me clean out the office and reorganize everything because she wanted her office back. And I'm like, this is my office too. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so all of my stuff is in the storage room now. Sad. But I did get to organize it all, which is a very cathartic thing. If you guys ever want to just tune out and forget about what's going on in the world, just reorganize all your Battletech stuff. I got really depressed the last time I did it for me. <laughs> well, you have too much. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Andrew, next time you want to do it, Matt and I will just come up to the cities and look for uh, handouts. Uh, I may, I may not, I may not do handouts, but we can maybe work something out. <laughs> you don't really need eighteen of these, do you? <laughs> so anyway, I want to get to some some huge news. I don't know if everyone has seen it, but uh, on Battle, I think it was BattleTech International or something like that. Um, Reeves put out a picture. And said, uh, where, where was that? It's something about Comstar and, and uh, divvying out all the stuff. And he has a picture of just like 50 salvage boxes. And yeah. a very big uh, exclamation point on it's getting very soon that we could be uh, getting the email notifications that our plan invasion stuff is coming. Uh, let's not get way ahead of ourselves here. Okay. No, I'm, Wave two. I'm getting ahead. I'm All super right. excited. Because uh, when we went down the timeline, it was August, late August, early September. They thought there was, yep, here it is, David Anthony Vivas. What did I say, V's? Um, when Comstar had so much salvage after Tukia, they started shipping them across the sphere. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if this guy is uh, in touch with Catalyst or what, but um, it says it's on its way, so I'm excited. Yeah, I think the the photo of the uh, salvage boxes uh, Catalyst posted on their Instagram. Oh, that, that could be it. Let's go right to the source. I didn't even know Catalyst had an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to be so excited. Yeah, so I think that that's it like is. The, yep. uh, right the, there. Final, the final samples and everything made it to the office. So, yeah, that's super exciting. That's getting close, man. That's getting really close. I really, so they have this cardboard, uh, this cardboard little cutout of a Timberwolf. And I really hope that comes in the box. That would be kind of cool. Put on a shelf or something. That's a promotional item. You're going to have to pay extra for that. I bet it comes in my merchant uh, box. You may lose that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's going to go right in my storage room where no one can see it. <laughs> That's Perfect. it. But it's got to be getting close, guys. Because um, they even said, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a ways away yet. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up like it's going to be next week or anything, but... Um, I, I do think it's going to, we're going to have them in hands before, uh, Christmas. And that, that would be awesome. That would be a great Christmas oh, present. I, I don't, I am pretty sure, well, that'll happen, but yeah. Well, like I said, I don't like to get my hopes up way too much with Catalyst, but. 
I don't know. I think it's still wave wave two uh, Valentine's. <laughs> yeah, just because yeah. you just because you uh, didn't want to fork over the extra thirty bucks and have it sent to you in two waves. Well, I I did it that way so I could get more stuff. More stuff? You're gonna get the same stuff. No, no, they. No, they... he saved the thirty dollars so he could buy more stuff. Oh. Well, hell, I I spent enough money anyways. <laughs> I don't even want to. Talk, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> See, I didn't dish out like an extra two house paints or anything like that. <sighs> so, but I mean, I'm sure Amy has all this stuff anyway. Yeah, she's already. It's so already far. there. It's oh, already man. There. So you've only you're not, a, you're not on the you're not on the premium list or the VIP. Oh, we still back the uh, actual Kickstarter. Nice. Wow. Well, I, I suppose it can't be like given. Everyone a, else. They can't be given everyone free tickets. So, so when it comes to the house, are you going to get Michael's and then you just get your own then? Because that whole saying, of "What's yours is mine," and oh. what's mine is mine. it's all mine anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he might move up on the commission list a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear, these are yours. I might just play with them an awful lot. <laughs> but uh I think uh some other news, um well, one of the big news, did we know what the the title was to the next Northwind Highlander book was or was that a little drop that he gave us? That was a little drop he gave us. Oh, well, paid in blood. That's uh that's going to be an awesome book. So here's my little theory. I didn't want to tell him while he was on. But if you guys have read the book, and I don't think this is a huge spoiler, but please go read the book. But there's a there's a blonde Comstar acolyte that is in charge of the HPG there. And there's there's some stuff that goes down, and you guys will know what I'm talking about. I'm wondering if she is the culprit that blows up the HPG. Uh, you mean the, the gal who's uh, sweet on Casey? On Declan, yeah. Declan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm wondering if that's kind of like the little Easter egg that he planted in there. And that, because didn't she tangle with one of the Capellan battle armors? Uh, she was running away. She was going to get shot and somebody knifed him. Well, yeah, her other friend did, but she was running away. So I'm kind of thinking, eh, there's probably not a lot of, a lot of love there. And, uh, Especially- I don't know. I don't think. I don't think she realizes that she was going to get shot. She was running. That oh. was uh, like the the uh, lead guard guy or whatever that had been shot, and in his dying breaths, took that guy down so she didn't get shot. I thought. I thought one of them got like a, a sword in the side of him or something like that. I'm waiting for the audio book. Oh. Well, anyway, I'm just wondering if, like, that's a little nugget of a character that's going to, like, play a pretty dramatic role. Um, Maybe her name is Aaron. <laughs> I'll just I'll just be all over the place. I hey, was still curious to see if there was going to be any kind of information on why that HPG was still operating. Um, well, I think they took a very... I mean, and you can you can hear it in the book that they're like, we don't want to damage this HPG, and that's why the Capellans at the end are kind of holed up in it. Well, that was that was one of the reasons why uh, the general for the Hikagi 
was going to heed the call yeah. for help was, well, that gives our technicians access to a working HPG as well. Yeah. Did you just that's, say Kage? That was, that's a <laughs> Hikage. 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 Which was funny because I finished the book and I immediately, I immediately text Michael. Really? Really? That's how you're going to fucking leave the story? I got to sit around and wait now for the next story and that's how you leave it? Man, it was such a great cliffhanger. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the second oh, piece. Of that. Come on, Amy, you've got you got access to the to the rough drafts. What's going on? Yeah, come on. Yeah, no, you've read no it already. Comment. Wow. <laughs> does Does Michael <laughs> talk to you about uh, different color schemes that you would do? Like, like ask oh, if you he's got for a... your opinion. Generally, he... yeah, very in for the. It really varies with what he's working on for in regards to other schemes. Does he talk in his sleep? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did he say? Amy, what... have you have you canonized the scheme? The uh, Grey Watch. You did canonize. That was that was your scheme. That's awesome. Okay. Nice. Nice. It's briefly mentioned in a book before, but it hasn't been. He did. Okay. Before I did. Very cool. Very cool. So right. who's who's the ill clan, Amy? Who's no your pet? idea. No idea. Who's your pet? Do yeah, you, who's, you, okay, there you, you go. Stay, do you stay up? Do you stay up on all the fiction? Do you read all the pieces and parts that come out? I try to. I'm not, like, fully up to date. I do vaguely know what's going on in what general. Where's your money? Who you got your money on? Yeah, where's your money at? Oh, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta, you that's gotta have a, an, you gotta have such something. a safe answer. Go crazy. Uh, Magistr Magistracy of Canopus. There you go. Bam. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> my bet is Jamie Wolf's kids. Oh my God. We're not talking. We can't talk about it. I know. I know. I broke my own rule. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can say Jade Falcon. That's fine. It'll be like two of us then. <laughs> well, isn't isn't the cover of isn't there a cover of Alpin and not Alpin, um, Alaric and Stone facing off with each other? Yeah, that was on the cover of uh, I think thirty. It was Era Report or. Sh I think Something it's the like Ill Clan book. Yeah, it Ill might Clan be the book Ill Clan. Gen Con. Oh, did they release the the cover? I know I've seen pictures of it. That's yeah. where that uh, the Atlas is burning up, and the, well, Magic, the Savage, Wolf, Savage is... Wolf is burning up too. Yeah. <laughs> so we at least know that <laughs> Clan Wolf made it. <laughs> well, well, did they or that. did they or did they get met well, on another on yeah. another world? It could be on New Earth or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if we know that's a Wolf Mech or not. Yeah, that, it's a savage wolf, which is what Alaric pilots, I think. Yep. Yeah. I don't know who else it would be because that's pretty. And we know. And we know stone. And we know stones in an atlas. Yeah. Or yeah, stones in an atlas. Are you certain it's a? Not a hundred percent sure. Oh, it's brown and orange. That's what the wolf clan's rocking right now. That's true. Besides, anyway, it's, a, it's an epic picture, but. Uh... 
<clears throat> yeah, it's real. It's a really neat picture. I, but, I would like to see that one in print. As it. for as for news for Battletech, I mean, not a lot. We're all getting the updates, and I love the updates. I think that's one of the best things Catalyst has done. It's like I always get happy whenever I see um, a new. I mean, they're on project update 126 right now, but even though they're just like you know redesigned renders and stuff like that, I still love seeing that stuff. It just I would I would rather have the over communication than yes than code silent. So. Yeah, I think the only one I have a problem with is the enforcer. What? Well, I mean, it the 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 helmet isn't. I mean, I know they're going for the bulky and and whatever, but it still looks good. I'm not saying it doesn't look it doesn't look bad, but I think that one's decently comparable to newer and older design features. Their drawings. I think there's a lot more other units that are way different and. I, I really like the Raven. I, th- I think they kept the Raven as close as they could, and that's what it should be. I honestly like the old uh, Hellhound more than the new Hellhound. So. Oh, which one was that in? Oh, that was in the other one. Oh, yeah that that was a that was a different redesign. The the uh, what was that update 125? No, it was it's before that where they had the Hellion and the. Uh, Hellhound, or I think it was the Hellhound. It was the Clan Striker Star redesign. Yeah, yeah the Vapor Eagle, the Conjurer, the the Horned Owl, Incubus, and the Piranha. Those were those kind of got into like a little space agey for me, I guess. But they were already a different looking mech anyway. When speaking of different. What do you guys think about this stuff coming out in the rec guides? Oh, those rec guides are awesome. I agree. I'm I, waiting. I like everything in there. I'm waiting for the uh, Hero Falcon to come out in Alpha Strike. I so thought you were going to say you're waiting for the audio book. I really <laughs> did. <laughs> I got a few recognition guides. <laughs> the audio book of the recognition guide. I like. I like the fact. I, I like the mind. fact that they're. I like the fact that they're um, upgrading, you know, the 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 clan invasion that's coming. All of the inner sphere mechs, they're they're giving us, you know, quote unquote usable designs in the in the era or the time frame. Um, that that's fun to see, and it's fun to read about all the all the uh, new pilots. I think we had one of one of our own was canonized. Yeah. Shout out to Miles Healy. He got canonized, Wolfnet operative. Yeah, and what a great story! Like, yeah, he, he's really good story. He, he's on. Uh, he's there when uh, Jamie Wolf goes down. He finds out that it's the word of Blake, which wasn't terribly hard, but you know, figure he figures it out, and then he goes to Mars. Like, how hardcore is that? And then we don't know what happened, right? We don't know. We don't know if he lived, died, or or what happened. That they kind of left that open ended, which was neat. It was yep. a pretty freaking awesome way to get canonized. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it'll well, be way better than it'll be way better than yours, Aaron. It's gonna be way better than mine, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm afraid a lot of us are just gonna end up being a name on a on a pilot card. You know, not gonna get a cool story like that. But I don't. I don't know. I mean, there there weren't a lot of us that put down Wolfnet, but there was enough of us. 
So if they're going with Miles Healy like that, that's that's maybe a tip towards we could all have some pretty cool stuff coming out. I mean, not me. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna. But you're gonna get one page in every Blaine book. Not even <laughs> no, not one page. One sentence. <laughs> one, one, one and, sentence. It, and it'll never be his full name. It'll either. never be my full name. <laughs> right, C- Colonel Curl entered the room. The end. The end. Like, the end. Yeah, that's right. And then on top of it not be mentioned on the beginning of the book either <laughs> never ever until i die maybe <laughs> the energizer colonel <laughs> the energizer i just keep going and going i'm like the bounty hunter like it's just everyone's colonel girl <laughs> uh, jokes aside so, so, um, we had, so we've had new we've had new fiction We've been having a regular, consistent release of the Ilkland Recognition Guides, which have been awesome. I mean, what are we getting? Maybe 12 new mech designs every two weeks, every week, something like that? Yeah. Um, we had the Golden Century, and then TRO came out in PDF format. We are finally you, getting catered to. Did you guys get your t-shirts? No. What, what t-shirts? We got so, t-shirts. Well, that, they, they came. Is that what happened when you? No, they. So each year, each year Gen Con, they have had a athletics t-shirt that was available. Oh. And this year was supposed to be um, Merrick's turn at the at the helm, and they have the they did put out the Allison athletics t-shirt. I bought all five because I'm I'm large and I needed new sizes. Was so. I supposed to get like? Uh, it was it was a post, no, it was a post in one of the Facebook pages and said, "Hey, new T-shirts available. Go get them." Oh, I had to go get them. I thought they were just going to send them out to me because you know. Oh, for Christ's sake! <laughs> You're not that. You will never be that cool. Okay. I, <laughs> just, I honestly just... thought that you were talking about that. Since you spent like two grand on the Kickstarter, that you I were did not to spend back. that much. <laughs> I didn't spend that much. Huh. Uh, spend that much. Another beer. Another beer. Um. So we had some, we had some really neat events that happened here not to this last couple of weeks ago during Gen Con. Um, the CSO artists. We had uh, Wonder Gecko Dale. Uh, he did a series i believe it was thursday and another one on saturday we had uh, b1b flyer ryan peterson he did a, a two-hour segment early saturday morning followed up by kevin and the only reason we know kevin did it is because i watched it because he didn't record it um, <laughs> he's never gonna live that down by the way every time we talk about it i'm gonna mention it um, but they were, I believe that they have all been converted and are available on the CSO YouTube channel. Um, highly recommend taking the time to watch through those. Um, we got to see some really neat techniques. Um, both really small both, mini, like all the well, Ryan, Ryan, yeah, Ryan, Ryan finished up an elemental. He actually almost did it. I think from start to finish with but, with the shading and highlighting and everything else they look really good and i think a day or two later he posted the the rest of them so he had a whole point that he painted in that scheme 
It looked great. Um, Can't wait to Dale, use techniques. Dale did a lot of oils, which I'm excited to try and try. Um, but it was it, it always helps to be able to see how someone does a paint. Uh, so you you have something to strive for, at least mimic, right? I mean, that's how we learn. So we uh, how many how many of us here made the happy hour that we had with the WNRP group on our on our Discord server? I barely made the last bit of it. Okay, about halfway. All right, or maybe just missed the first half hour. We had, I, I was in and out. We had a pretty good turnout. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Until That's you coaching every happy there. hour. <laughs> we had a really good we had a really good turnout for that and that was a lot of fun. Um Michael joined us and I believe Amy was on that one as well and we had some really great conversation. Um it was fun to have everybody ask questions. We reminisced about Gen Con. We talked about Gen Con. That was that was a lot of fun. So if you if you have not joined our Discord server, um, I believe we've got a, a, a link on our Facebook group. Yeah, um, I need to update that link. Do that. We do that kind of stuff. You know, I think we should try and start doing that a little more often, just because that that was such a good time, and it gives everybody an opportunity to ask questions or just get to know each other a little bit better. I mean, which is what gaming's all about. And unfortunately, we can't do go to the Go to a damn store and roll some dice. Yeah, well, and definitely on Tuesday nights. I mean, there's at least yeah. one one of us on Tuesday nights. Tuesday night fights are always a, a good a good session for that too. I just yeah. I haven't been able to do that as of late, and apologize to everyone. Um, had had some things going on in in real life that. And really Tuesday is kind of a tough time for me too, but it's gonna get better. So, um, you say that. I know. Time. Every single time. I'm, I'm a it's habitual liar when it comes to uh, agreeing to be at a certain place at a certain time. If you guys haven't noticed. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm trying. I mean, I really do try. But life's a bitch, man. But what, um, hey, hey, Burns, what's the the next, this coming up Tuesday? Uh, it is going to be... It's the, it violence the, it Ooh, oh, violence of the yeah, lamb. Oh, there you go. That's just right. the bang. Um, I think it's going to be LAMs. Oh, this, that's going to be so bad. Do you know how hard lambs are to play in Mega Mech? Oh. It's it's whoever doesn't crash wins. <laughs> uh, you know the, how hard lambs are to play on the tabletop? Yeah, but it's <laughs> way harder. About <laughs> In this one, I think I'm, Mega Mech crashed on us tw- twice yes last three, week, three times. Well, that's because we have 27 people in Tuesday Night Fight. It, it has become a thing, <laughs> like almost yeah, to the point we, where we have to split off into two different groups. Sure, if not three. But that's great. That's just it shows how awesome a community that we built and and and. We started it, but believe me, we are not upkeeping it. Uh, it is all of the other people a part of the WNRP group that are uh, striving and going forward with this thing. They've, they've, I, we, we were talking about this a couple of nights ago, just how 
weird it is to have a Battletech group that all have the same mentality of just like, we're here to have fun. And <laughs> I, I said it might be our... our uh, it might be our tagline. It's just don't be a dick, <laughs> and then that might explain uh, the the love that everyone has for uh, the community we've grown. But um. it's certainly self aware. Um, they'll put on any kind of event they can, whatever they can link up, and that's the biggest thing is just getting people to get their schedules lined up. And yeah, like right now i'm i'm looking i'm looking at the online i'm scrolling through the online versus offline people <laughs> there's 167 offline but there's probably there's 267 members on discord right now 267 and 167 are offline so there's 100 members online right now that's ridiculous <laughs> that's pretty crazy i just love self sustainment like that that's yeah it's great even if even if something happens to us, they can continue to carry that on. That's that's well, the main focus. And and the other thing is is that you if you're new, by all means join join the group. Yeah, uh, we have we have fantastic people that are actually setting themselves aside to help new players and to get people comfortable with uh, right now Mega Mech because that's that's the way we can. That's the only way we can really get get together and get play. In. But it, we have such a fantastic group, and we have people who are ready, willing, and able to help new players. Um, so get over your, your fear, jump yeah. into the water, and, and start having some fun because we've, we've we, got a lot of really great people. We've got an overabundance of fun. <laughs> There's but, no reason why you can't have some, too. Um, oh, I wanted to discuss uh, a little 350 talk, maybe? Ooh, 350. Yeah, 350 let's talk. talk what do you think? Guys? What do you guys think? 350? Yeah, let's do some I like 350. 350. Um, so we have decided that we are going to stop messing around with rules and try to come up with a finished product here soon, as in like maybe a month or two. And um, uh, let's the, let's go. Let's shoot. Let's shoot for first of the year. First of the year. With what okay. I got with what I got going on right now. Let's go with first of the year. First of the year sounds good. But it was funny because we we all agreed on this, and then Andrew's like, "Hey, what about King of the Hill?" And he proposed not a huge rule, but it changes the entire dynamic of the scenario. And if you guys aren't familiar with the 350, um, our group, along with a lot of other people, have been developing over two years a tournament format for Alpha Strike. And this tournament format focuses on um, a static set of rules and and uh, construction rules for your team, which is 350 points of mechs, uh, battle armor, uh, combined arms. And it, it allows for someone to basically always have a 350 list. And whenever they want to go somewhere and play Battletech, they can go and just meet somebody else who has a 350 list. And the rules are all um, self-contained and, and universal to no matter what you do. So I show up to a game store with a 350 and there's a guy in the corner who's got a 350. We both know the rules. We can just instantly dive into a game that takes 80 minutes and it's fun, it's objective based and it's it's it, it's all even. 
there isn't conversation around what era we are we playing, what technology yep. level are we playing. It's I have a 350 and you have a 350 and well, let's go. We know we know that this is a competitive way of getting together and playing. We've tested this. Oh my god, <laughs> two years and now. I'd, Still well, testing. I mean, the, the, Still the, testing? the first, the first one, the first one that that really said told me that we were on was uh, Joe uh, Gillamet from the Indiana Alpha Strike Group uh, ended up being in Rochester uh, for a week for for something for work, and he let me know, and I'm like, well, hell, that's only you know 40 minutes away. I'll I'll jet down there. Well, we found a game store. I brought a 350. He brought his with, and we had a hell of a good time. Um, it was nice to be able to meet a new player face to face and roll some dice. And at that, that was the aha moment for me was <laughs> this is, this is on, we're on to something here. This, and and for all battle tech players together. out there, you know that that doesn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> those kind of games just don't happen in the battle tech universe. There's no pickup battle tech games. <laughs> you got to have everything, whatever. Anyway, so long story short, that's what we've been working on. Um, the rules are up on the Facebook page. Uh, also, go to wolfstreetgoons.com. Um, the the rules are up there, and we've been talking about it for just just the just the construction rules are there right now. I don't oh, have the full set, but gotta, just just creating that. the three fifty. I do have to update it, and I will get to it here sometime. Yeah, but or anyway, so moving on to Andrew's idea. Uh, usually, our King of the Hill scenario was. If you control the the center circle uncontested uh, for f- three turns, you win the game. And while it was a good way to go about that, he brought up the idea, well, what if we just added the size value of whatever mech you control or vehicle you control in the center, and then we have a point value of, say, 25 points, and... It was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. So we played it out. We did two games. And oh, we played more than that, but yeah. Of this new one, I thought... I thought we've played at least four or five, but maybe I, I may be thinking... No, I think we only played a couple. But anyway, turns out that, man, it is way more fun. <laughs> <laughs> it... it uh, it breaks down strategy and tactics to a whole nother level uh, from list creation to what you're bringing to uh, what your opponent has. It, it was very, very interesting because for one, well, say I, I roll up with two assaults and I put them in the center circle. Well, at the end of the turn, I got eight points and somebody else only put in a vehicle of uh, size two. So there's eight to two. And you're trying to get to 25. Well, it it changes the dynamic a lot in the the betterment of the game. Um, Matt, I think you battle, and I, Matt played two games. Battle armor didn't you? cannot. Battle armor cannot score. Right, battle armor yeah. is the only unit that cannot score. Boo. Everything else is game. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I we think Matt. It. Okay. Matt and I played, and Andrew and Matt played, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Matt and Andrew's game came down to a <laughs> 12 we to 9. To ti- we, yeah, we played the time, and he beat me by three points. Mm-hmm. 
and I played Matt, and got smoked. I got I got smoked, but I had a really bad round, <laughs> and uh, nothing died. And he just rushed everything in the center of the circle, which was a valid uh, strategy. And I for sure thought I was going to take two things down because I had three assaults on the board that I could just wander in and get twelve points per turn if everything survived. But um, it was it was, it added a whole nother dynamic. Matt, would you agree? Yes, it's. Uh, I think it's a lot better transition. But then again, I also wasn't really hitting most of my damage rolls, so I think you were pretty lucky to last that long. Yeah, I was lucky. Yeah, you were you were missing a lot. Well, you got you got your assault jumping jump strength one list, <laughs> so you're jumping every turn. <laughs> And you've got pilot skill four pilots, so easy on the strategies. Oh, sorry, sorry. Anyway, let's just say you didn't help yourself out with easy to hit rolls. That's true. But the objective was to and the object, and you had the exact right objective. It was just load up the circle, survive and stay in the circle, survive and stay in the circle, which king of the hill should be. It, that's exactly what it should be, um, and I, I think, and this, believe me, guys, I know this is going to be one of our last major rule changes. <laughs> it's I'm putting I'm putting the foot down, like that's the last one. But it was such a good idea that we had to flesh it out and play a couple of games, and it I I agree wholeheartedly that this is the way King of the Hill should be played. Um, it just offers a lot more variety in a King of the Hill game than it does in every any, any other scenario. I honestly think Matt has a better list than my list for King of the Hill now. Matt's list is tough. It is super tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'll have to test. I'm actually not looking forward to that, Tommy, because I know it's going to be tough. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, and and that's what the whole thing is supposed to be. But it, it was such a good rule that I, I, again, I think we need to test it a little bit more. But I think that's going to be the mainstay for King of the Hill. Other than that, the three fifty is more or less ready to go. Um, we've we've decided, kind of the group of us, that we're gonna we're gonna make it look pretty. Um, the final product. Uh, it's it's not going to go full board, but it's going to be printable. But it's going to look. We're trying to go for the the TRO or the source book kind of uh, layout um, and rule book layout to kind of keep it similar. But um, yeah, hopefully, first of the year, three fifty uh, Alpha Strike will be in its final stage. We will be running. We iteration. will be running it. We will be running it at Gen Con if it is held. Yes, and maybe even before that, yes. if they're if they're allowing Adepticon, uh, that might be the yeah. first the first showing of it. Yeah, we'll probably run it there too. Because that's in March, isn't it? Oh, mm-hmm. March or April, I think. Somewhere around there. So it'll be before Gen Con, but that might be the first rollout of uh, large scale tournaments for Alpha Strike. It's got to be. It's got to be end of March, beginning of April, because it got canceled right when COVID. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, mm-hmm. this year because we were going 
yeah, it uh, that could be the first rollout. So I'm pretty pretty excited. That gives us a, a a hard date to have it done. So reminds me, I better start watching that site for <laughs> getting games <laughs> in. So get get your paintbrushes ready, everyone. Get your 350s painted up. The prettier, the better. Well, they gotta have three colors, right? Yeah, we gotta have three Premier. colors. So Premier. we might we might be sending some uh, some business your way, uh, Amy. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, that's not like a small commission either. That's that's anywhere from eleven to uh You can only you, the top out. You can have a sixteen pieces. So I think the my, gen- my unit has twelve. You have twelve. I think I have eleven in mine. I've had a lot of mine come in at 11. That seems to be the sweet spot. But it's a lot of uh, vehicles and battle armor and VTOLs and mechs. And uh, the 350 really is beneficial to having a combined arms unit. So, I think our 350 format has really promoted the what will help the community build more relationships between suppliers and artists and i mean you're looking at a full spectrum of uh integration of all the types of units you can utilize compared to what we used to use and this is really incorporating everything that well what what was what was really fun too was is and to your point look at look at the armies that we saw when we went to indy yeah, and that was interesting too, just to see. Hey, I didn't even think about that. There's another neat little gem right there. Oh man. Oh, oh no, no. What what I meant was is there was it actually felt like a real invading not army. Feel, not like it doesn't feel like a real army, but I mean it's like hordes and war machine and forty K where yeah, it wasn't they just had a full they had a full painted force that was all unified and it looked great and it was put together for a specific reason that was i was like to 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 your point to connect suppliers and artists and players and that to me is is what you see i mean that's what you see when you go to 40k and and all those different tournaments and that That was was really that was our you know in-depth purpose was to we need to make a format that works everywhere for everyone and to incorporate combined arms. Yes. I would be interested to see if uh, from Derek and maybe from Catalyst, like, have their, like, tanks and battle armor orders gone up? Is yeah, it, I don't is, know. Is, is that, there a... Right, I'd like to see the metrics. Is there right. a metrics to it? Yeah. You've said that, said that before in the past podcast. Like, I wonder if Iron Wind's metrics or if I wonder if, you know... CSO artists or somebody. I wonder if if people have been affected by this. That because <laughs> people wanting to build armies and not just lances, not just yeah. I mean, because I think Tommy, Tommy, Matt, and I put a, a order in a while ago, and I don't think there was a single mech in the entire order. Right, like I think it was all hovercraft and battle armor and VTOLs. <laughs> there was a few orders of. Oh, I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that because when you when you change one unit, it changes the dy- dynamic in the numbers of your list because 
the numbers don't lie. No. Um, if you don't have the numbers in your list to make things fit, it's not either, either it's going to be short or it's not going to fit. I mean, Ooh, you really have to play the numbers. Here's a good question. So, Amy, um, I have found a newfound love for uh, VTOLs. Do do you prefer using the rotors that they send you, or do you do the the plastic circle? Or have you I not? Think... Or have you not painted a VTOL yet? I believe I've done one or two. Um, it really varies. I usually do the one um included. The the rotors included. Rotors yeah. Included. Okay. Because I kind of messed around the other day, and I I, I kind of like the plastic circle. But I did one the other day where I cut triangles out of the plastic circle. And, man, does that look really good. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good. Um, they don't they don't travel wide, very well. How wide were the blades? Yeah. Aaron, you, you, might, you might have to start using some magnets. You can get really small magnets. Ooh. And drill one in the top and glue one to the top of the rotor so that you can, when you put the magnets together, the rotor. And then I can spin it while like it's on the, mass, on, the, on the model. Whatever you want to do at that point, man. Whatever turns your boat. Well, that'll turn something. you damn right. <laughs> but it, it but did it, look really it did look really good. Um, I think that's the way I'm going to go with my rotors from now on. But... Uh, yeah, it, it is the whole 350 thing has changed my mind 100% on combined arms, and there's so much utility you can get out of battle armor and vehicles and hovercraft and VTOLs that I don't think even the staunchest Battletech uh, fan has probably never even tried. And it's well, the, it's the a fun shame. thing is is. The fun thing is, is with this, oh yeah, there's so uh, this in Indy too is, is the combinations. How do people? How does another person's mind work, and how are they going to choose the amongst the ten thousand plus <laughs> units and variants that are in BattleTech? How do they put together their three fifty to persecute or prosecute the scenarios that we have in place? Well, I know it's Tommy's just. Got- Wildly different. Tommy's got to have the entire MUL memorized by now. Wish it did. Got to be close. <laughs> I honest God wish I had an Excel spreadsheet of the thing. That would go a lot quicker. <laughs> Get on Discord. Have someone do it. Tommy's the breaker of all lists. He he he, he for some reason has a, a secret filter in the MUL that he can find stuff in. No, yes, it, he has it. There's, there's a, there is a hovercraft that I'm surprised you haven't found yet, Tommy. I'm keeping that one to myself, though. Ooh, tuck that in your little pocket, huh? Well, yeah, now you gave him something got, to do tomorrow. I got, <laughs> I got a, I got a little something for you. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I, I, I think the 350 list era will start really allowing. Uh, artists to start painting full armies regularly because uh, there's going to be. I mean, when we went to India, they they were all commissioned. Every 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 unit that we fought against was commissioned. Yep. But that could that could be unique to that place, though, too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But I, you I, never know. I will say though, is it was awesome. Like, it was just so beautiful seeing terrain and then entire armies painted. It was. It's like BattleTech can be like Warhammer 40k, or it can be like Star Wars Legion. Like, it just needed a vessel to get there. And, yeah, Indy was a was a shock because it was just all beautifully painted tanks and battle armor and mechs. And then we, you know, it's Alpha Strike rules, so it's all t- uh, uh, terrain. Hex- hexless. It's hexless terrain. So it looks like a, a, a war game miniature uh, game. Well, and- I tell you what. I felt kind of out of out of place playing at Indy. These guys had some awesome looking stuff, and we, the WNRP guys, I'm coming up. Yeah, Our I'm, stuff was junk. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm proxying. I'm. <laughs> we we you were, were not. You got, some, you got some glue. I gotta. I gotta. Re, I gotta repose this metal mini that we, that I didn't get painted. We were not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, they they definitely showed us up at Indy, and but it showed me what the game could be, and that that's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. will never go to a, another tournament without having all my stuff painted. Well, and that's a whole other aspect. Like you're talking about forty oh, k. Now you can add the artistic element to the, the oh yeah exposure of it. Now you can say, okay, so you come to the tournament. Here's your unit. You played this well in the tournament, but how how nice is the the paint jobs on them? Well, you can add a whole artistic element of contest to it. Too. And and that's if like you, Warhammer 40k, isn't it? Don't they they yeah. give you points for better painted miniatures or something like that? You can add smoke and in in paint. 40k in 40k you actually there's a there's a, a point value associated to your army colors. And how they're how well they're painted, and that well, reflect you... that reflects how well you play it as well, doesn't it? I don't think that that plays that way, Aaron. Mm. It's whole separate separate variables, but all those play to the overall point values. I mean, you could you could you could play terribly, but win a tournament from your your well, paint schemes and such. And like you said, Matt, you could have two different trophies. You could have. Uh, best in play and best in show. Absolutely. So where maybe you're not the greatest player, but man, you can paint like Amy does and still come away a winner. See, right. uh, Donner Donner just posted a Septicema. It's fucking sexy. Where? It's just, I refreshed Facebook and it's there. And it's awesome. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. All right. So the <sighs> new drinking game of WNRP podcast is whenever somebody says awesome, take a drink. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> not you. Yeah, fin- not you. That finished the beer you I was get, on. You, you don't get to play that game. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Donner. Did you see the, did you see the close up on the leg? He, he's got his dead shot on there. Yeah. Yeah. Well did, done, anyway. man. Kevin oh, that's that? Kevin. That's Kevin. Kevin did that. Yeah. Oh, well done, Kevin. <laughs> well done. Ke- Kevin also did uh, that mech that I got, Burns. The Phoenix Hawk 2C, yeah. Yep. The Unseen. God, we're going to have to start throwing some mechs towards Amy's way and uh, have a little, like I said, a little competition. A little, a little competition. 
Oh my, that that is a weird looking mech. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's a society mech. <laughs> yeah, he sneaked one that that one in there on us when we first started the whole regiment. Yeah. Oh, speaking of regiment news, and I think we'll end the podcast on this. Um, for those of you who do, oh, we got we got a couple things to cover here yet. Oh, there, Captain. sorry. Anyway, just letting everyone know that we're going through a. Uh, a little bit of a reorganization in the regiment. Um, we are trying to focus on active players uh, to fill out the first three battalions. And uh, if you haven't been contacted by your captain or your major, which I don't think you... Ha- if you're on the regiment, you have. But um, uh, if you're... Does, this is the first you're hearing about it. Uh, <laughs> one, you're probably not on the on the active roster anyway. Um, but, uh, that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to consolidate as many of our active players and semi-active players as we can. Uh, doesn't mean you're out of the regiment. Uh, there is a, you, you're still in home guard. So for those of you who are like, Hey, I might be able to play a game tonight. Uh, you can still pick up and run, but, um, we're doing a, a major, major house cleaning in the Wolfnet regiment. So. Uh, what Consolidation. Else we Consolidation. There we go. I don't have the show notes, so I'm what just else? shooting from the hip here. What's next? Bueller. Bueller. Uh, Kickstarter leg base offsets. So with the Kickstarter, how have you saw that the Dire Wolves got some really offset leg structures towards the base angles. How do you feel about that? What? I gotta look. I gotta look now. You have pictures? <laughs> no, he's he's making it he's making a comment about on the box set minis and even potentially the pictures that we've seen of the new upcoming clan invasion set that they're they're not facing front heck they're leg not facing flat hex sides. Leg so the legs don't coincide with the base of the hex. You know, you remember, you remember the, the the game of armored combat. You had to cut all the mechs off the base so you could turn them so that they all they had a front facing. Otherwise, they were all kind of off kilter by about twenty degrees, and it looked weird. I'm looking at the clan command star. the The feet look like they're kind of both facing. Or did they redesign? But these it? are a little bit more. These are like half Oh, I see what you. Well, you always have to oh. mark the base of what's the front anyway. Well, and I think a lot of people are going to cut them off. Have them repose them anyways. That oh, okay. I see. I see what you're getting here. The torso's aiming one way. That the legs are going another way. Um. Well, the usually you go by the legs, and yeah. you can't. The base is offset of the legs, so you don't know. It's like halvesies. Yeah, I got so you. I got you. Or you're gonna have to cut it off and repose it. So I think that'll that'll probably make a lot of modifications for players, or they'll just paint a side. You know, I I think the I think you're safe with going just painting a side. Um, it's gonna look a little weird on the tabletop, but I think if 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 you have a clear indication of like, hey, this is my forward hex side. Um, they can't really argue with a, with it, but it is interesting that they did that. They did the, is it? It's just the hero mech though, isn't it? I think is yeah, the hero yeah. mechs. 
Arctic. Yeah, the Daishi Hero Mech is the one that looks yeah. really off kilter. Because but... there will be two different sculpts of um, an archer, a marauder, a dire wolf. Um, Mad Kitty. And the Mad Kitty, yeah. Meow. So they're gonna be they're gonna be different, which it'll be interesting. I, I like the way they're doing that. I like the way that there's a hero version and a non-hero version. But I think if you're gonna do that, yeah, you just gotta mark the hex. And yeah, well, and, I, yeah, and I would uh, personally, I I appreciate more the uh, the sense of motion coming, you know, because I I also paint some uh, like some fantasy miniatures. You can get a lot more like life into the mini um, when it looks like it's actually like moving. So I, I appreciate that they're putting a little bit more of an action pose into a lot of them rather than, uh, you know, I just think back to my uh, city tech plastic minis where they all look like they're powered down and they're all facing forward, but they all look shut down. So I would rather have it where maybe I have to indicate my uh, front and have it look like they're actually moving across the table rather than that they're they're just standing there. Yeah. Oh, don't worry about this guy. He's overheated. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they're doing the same thing with the, the Marauder, too. The Marauder's torso is kind of tilted, but the legs are going forward. So I, I think so, just pro tip guys just uh with with a red dot or or uh what i what i really like uh kevin does this and amy i don't know if you uh what you do to indicate the front hex but he does like a a caution tape kind of a thing yeah i've done caution tape before or um uh matching color to the to the mech oh there you go yeah oh Oh, that works good idea Put the dominant color in the front. Oh, that's that's a good idea. Pro tip. Pro tip. Pro, right there. Pro, pro tip number one. You just <laughs> your money's worth for listening to this podcast. <laughs> There's money? There's money? <laughs> Another beer time. Oh, so geez. thinking of you saying that there's also, a, it's been about two years seeing that the 350 has been comprised isn't this the two-year anniversary of Wolfnet Radio podcast? I think I August is our. Clo- I haven't paid close enough attention. Well, so what is this? This is episode twenty-three. Well, I think and then was there a month missed in there somewhere? We started in August, and this month is August. We've been at it for two years, then. Holy shit! Holy two Four years, gentlemen. Congratulations. Well, look at you guys go. Happy anniversary. Us. It's all of us. It's us. I wasn't here at the beginning. So you guys. Still count. <laughs> well, and I mentioned it in the in the uh, history brief, but it's a milestone for that too. This Because that's 12 episodes of history briefs. So all sorts of fun milestones. And <laughs> Just racking them up, aren't we? Well, you guys wanted so to we talk have some any tactics t- yet or not? Ooh, tactics. What about tactics? There's tactics talk going over the Jihad Dark era, Age era. Do you have any favorite pieces of equipment from the Jihad or Dark Age era that you wanted to use in the future? Yeah, I'm not. Uh... Like oh, go ahead. 
you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't uh, have a whole lot of classic experience with those. Because basically, like when I'm looking at them in the book, the benefits they give me. Basically, I, I feel like they're more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> so I just go with what I with the tried and true. Um, now, when it comes to Alpha Strike, because it's more streamlined. So then... Oh, see, well, when it, when it comes to Mega Mech, then I get even more weirded out because I don't, if I don't understand the mechanics behind it, then I really don't want to click on it. So <laughs> I'm just a grognard that way, I guess. That just sounds like you just need to play around with something and experiment a little bit. <laughs> I was looking towards the Ghost 90 with a chainsaw. That's what I wanted to try next. What was the question again? Do you have any favorite industrial mechs or weapons? Is there oh. any tactics in the jihad dark area that you want to work with? Um, man. Hag? Is the Hags in that area? I don't think so. Hag was uh, uh, Republic. Oh. I don't know, man. Uh, the the, the post-jihad era and... That that's when it, because it it hit me hard a little bit, and I kind of didn't like BattleTech very much <laughs> after that. Um, I mean, industrial mechs and stuff. I, I get what they were going for, but yeah, uh, I I like big chainsaws, I guess. But uh, there again, it it didn't seem very BattleTechish to me. It seemed like they were trying to do something different, which they were, but. Well, what about the chain whip? Dasher, uh, the Dasher Two has a chain whip. A chain whip. Chain whip. Yeah. Now that's a little too um... dominatrixy. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of Pacific Rim. That's that's a little too Pacific Rim for me. So it's too alienish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's about as close as uh, BattleTech introducing aliens as I can get. Uh, that's what the Dark Age was. Now, I understand that it had to happen in order for what we have now, but I just I just don't like to uh, consider that actual history <laughs> in Battletech. <laughs> Occasionally, you see some of those creatures that pop out of nowhere from uh, the uh, Explorer Corps where they have like the... <clears throat> the riding dinosaurs and stuff like that, yeah. Out of jumping out of trees and smashing guys' skulls open, or uh, giant bat wing stuff. I don't know. Hmm. I think it's just a lost. I think it's just a lost era. I think it's it's BattleTech in general. Like they called it the Dark Ages, and it was for BattleTech a Dark Age. Like it was just something that people want to forget and move on. Um, to move on to a a brighter thing, which I think it's it, it is happening but it's just and, and and i could be wrong I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people that love the dark ages but it's just i think for a lot of hard hardcore battletech fans it was just like man that they, they were stretching they were stretching it a lot yeah i think it's kind of lost as luster but there are a few people that do actually love that era so and good for them i don't want to take any way away from them, but 
I think it would be very hard to find a pickup Dark Age game. Now, there's something we could talk about is um, uh, era 350s. Oh, that's definitely a thing that we've thought about. And I, I don't, that's the, the beauty about the 350 is you could do an era 350. And, and it still has the same legs to stand on. Um, I just think the broader appeal to it is that you don't need to have an era. And you can still have a balanced game. But, um, yeah, I think I think a, a 350 Succession Wars tournament would 100% be awesome. And see some of them, <laughs> see some infantry on the board and stuff like that. That'd be kind of cool. So, Andrew, were you listening to the pod, past podcasts in two times speed? Uh, yeah, everybody was waiting on me to say yay or nay on something, and had some edits to do and we had to fact check and catch up and what did you sound like the chipmunks and alvin yeah it uh it went by a little quick <laughs> it, it sounded fun wait so if you just want to listen to the podcast in a different realm let's speed up your process yeah because tonight is going to be two hours and 45 minutes <laughs> so far <laughs> did did barons just call you a fuck checker andrew <gasps> Fact checker. Fuck yes. checker. We've done three before. <laughs> All right, Sorry, guys. Sir, we had to make sure it sounded good during the uh, pot today. Is there a pressing... Uh, uh, where are we at on the show notes? I don't know. I I don't think I got the link. Oh. No, I think that... Um, Thank you, everybody. We got, uh, yeah, just a shout-outs and... Well, mentioned in the CS... CSO diorama and uh, you know those guys what they did which we kind of already touched on yeah we already touched on that a lot of, lot, lot of good stuff there yeah, if you want to end it end it shout outs shout outs um, my shout out to the my shout out to the CSO guys for taking the time to do those videos that was a lot of fun to, to watch it was it was fun to Kind of heckle them a little bit, and and they, it was it was very beneficial. I highly recommend you got a couple hours to to take a look at those. There, a lot of good things to offer there. My shout out is to two different people, uh, Herberos. I probably butchered your name on Discord and Solomon. Both those guys have made deals with me on Tuesday night fights so that I could continue to win. Um, <laughs> uh, you're not so even going to mention this podcast how dare you so yeah <laughs> he just rolled with it that's, that's savage <laughs> nice <laughs> savage well I, I'll, I'll get jump you. in I'll there. get you oh, you, you going to take care of that coach yeah I'll, I'll get him okay. I'll get him Okay. All right. So I, I want to shout out uh, White Fox and uh, Kaji for throwing their support at the uh, Discord channel. Um, that's real cool, you guys. And then, of course, I'm going to beat Coach to uh, thanking the guests, <laughs> uh, Amy and uh, Mike. Uh, I really appreciate it. So go pick up a copy of uh, Grey Witch, Grey Watch Protocol. Easy for me to say. Over at Aries Games and Minis, and head over to Minis by Amelia Facebook. Um, and then, of course, everybody who's just out there dealing with stuff. We got members that you know dealing with forest fires and 
storms, all sorts of crazy stuff. It's just real cool that this community is kind of the place where everybody can go to get away from all of that garbage and have a good time. So thank you. Thanks for everybody for listening. Fuck 2020, man. Jeez. Oh, I did hear before the next shout out. I did hear a, a funny thing is like, uh, what if uh, the guy who made the Mayan calendar was dyslexic and instead of 2012, it was 2021. <laughs> 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 all right well we're all screwed <laughs> uh andrew didn't mine already i'll do mine then um i want to shout out uh, to all the upcoming podcasts that are now popping up uh, left and right um it seems like uh people are kind of starting to want to uh contribute to the overall community that is battletech and podcasts are a great way to do it. Um, I, I don't, I can't believe we've been doing this for two years now. But um, all I can say is, is love what you're doing. Uh, have fun. Uh, there's a bunch of ones. Uh, one we already mentioned, Herbros. Uh, he's got a podcast on the. It's called On the Origin of BattleTech Battle Mex Podcast. On the Origin of Battle Mex Podcast. Uh, step number one. Get a new name. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It's a it's a fine name. It's a fine name. We're just gonna call him OOBP. That's what we're gonna call him. On the origin of Battle Mechs podcast, uh, what they're doing is a recording podcast that explain the uh, and they're going in chronological order of all the Battle Mechs when they were created, and uh, they go through models, variants. Um, I'm sure. Uh, Dirks will agree with me that their first episode is like a must-listen-to episode if you want to understand uh, armor and weapons and how a battle mech is put together. It was oh, so yeah. well done. Yeah. It is It is awesome. And uh, they both, uh, I think they both have degrees in engineering. And uh, I can't remember the, the other co-host name. I, I That's Joshua. Joshua, and okay. It- Enigmatic Joshua. Enigmatic Joshua. <laughs> and and uh, Herbros, and they do a great job. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, another podcast, uh, uh, there's so many of them, but anywhere from uh, No Guts, No Galaxy, I think they're still doing, but they don't uh, really focus on just Battletech. Um, another one by our aforementioned uh, Miles Healy. He does Skunk Bear, Net- uh, Skunk Bear Network. Uh, that's another good uh, podcast you guys can pick up. There's Indirect Fire, which is another good po- uh, uh, BattleTech podcast. Um, the the community is growing, guys, and there's a lot more um, content out there that you guys can listen to, and it's it's fantastic. Growing the community in any way possible is always good. So I just want to give those guys a huge shout out. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, um, as you. <laughs> When we first started out, like we always tell everybody, skip the first six episodes because the audio is terrible. But they don't listen to us because they say apparently the content in those first six episodes is pretty pretty good. Um, it's a learning curve. Um, every episode you get better at what you do. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, look forward to listening to all the new upcoming episodes. Uh, I, I got to give a shout out to episode 69 of on origins of battle mechs 
because uh, that's going to be the Marauder. So I'm very looking forward to that one. Matt? Hey, Kevin Wick, good job on Donner's Pariah. Uh, thanks for the shout-out and excellent job on your work and videos coming out from Bushido. Thank you. Amy, you got any oh. shout-outs? Thank you guys for having me and Michael here on your podcast, especially with the guys being around for two years. Yeah, who would have known, right? Yeah. <laughs> You would have thought you would have thought we'd keep track of that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Congrats, us. Oh, Amy Delaney, we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you very much for uh, all your uh, information and uh, helping us be better painters. Yeah, no problem. With that, listeners, thank you for listening again, and uh, we can you can contact us at. Uh, WNRP at WolfStragoons.com. You can look at our Facebook page and check us out on Discord. Is there anything else we got going on with that? New contact list? Nope. Not, not that I know of. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a fun tomorrow. Oh. 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 Oh.